0: October, Yes. Uh, I initially planned on releasing a, a fresh episode, but uh, the guest had, didn't communicate with my booker until after, I, I think it was 3 a.m. Sunday morning, and, uh, you know, wanted to record on Saturday. So, not to let you listeners down, I am re-releasing the interview, and this could be be a new interview for some some of you new listeners um, it's about three and a half hours okay I'm releasing it in its entirety and uh, yeah I, what better uh, revisit than a revisit with an ex-satanic hype wizard okay Zachary King the interview with Zachary King um, one of my most nervous uh, interviews I've ever done uh, turned out he's a really nice guy And I'd like to get back in touch with him uh, and talk to him again, hopefully here in the future. But sit back and enjoy this. You're going to hear some plugs for some things that um, you can still find on my my link tree. Um, I just don't plug them as as much as I used to. Also, you're going to hear a little chomp-chomp on the man rod in the beginning of where I first found... uh, uh, Zachary King uh, So just sit back and laugh at it Because uh, I've moved on And uh, very happy that I have um, I don't really And this just my personal. I don't care if you do I just personally don't listen to that podcast anymore um, However Let's get into the housekeeping real quick Right up front You know it Conspiracy theme soap Conspiracy soap Dangerousworldpodcast.com you can get a four-pack bundle for $20, or you can buy a one-bar pack for $6, okay? Dangerousworldpodcast.com. Also, uh, we can't forget about Pure Pet Wellness, okay? Go there for all your CBD pet CBD needs. You can use this on, on, on yourself. I don't think they would recommend it, but it is human-grade, and uh, both soap and CBDs are Sourced in America and made in America. Family owned and operated. So support us and you support them. And uh, yeah, come on, get some uh, CBDs. These work great for my dogs. Uh, I know Ryan uses them with his dogs. Just go to purepetwellness.com. Look around in their site. If you enter Ghost at checkout, you get 20% off your entire order. Okay? Ghost at checkout gets you 20% off your entire order. Now let's get on to Patreon. All right? There is no video for this because uh, you. you uh, I think he explains it. He, he has some health issues, so um, he wasn't on video. But if you do like the video episodes, sign up for a $5 tier at patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast and you will see my ugly mug and hopefully whoever I have on, uh, whether they're ugly or not. But I know you don't probably want to see me. I mean, hell, I look like Sloth from Goonies. So if you ever wondered what I look like, it's Sloth from Goonies. Oh, yeah. What a great movie. Anyway, 3 5 and $10 tier. $3 only gets you the Wednesday episode, so I highly suggest the $5 tier. $10, you're a super supporter, and I thank you for the $10 supporters that I do have. I thank all of you for supporting. You know that. Uh, you're supporting your boy over here. I'm trying to grind and do hard work. Got some uh, things working in in, uh, the future, maybe. Uh, Right now, they're just in my head. So, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but they're they're in my head, and they might come to fruition. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, uh, sit back, enjoy this. I love this time of month. I feel bad that uh, the guest fell through, but you're going to hear what it was like being an ex-satanic... Highway, or I'm, I'm sorry, what it was like being a satanic high wizard. So, sit back, listen to Zachary. You can judge for yourself. Uh, you can choose not to listen. It's up to you. Uh, he doesn't get graphic, but he gets into some detail, and it's kind of it, it, it's a journey. It's a journey, and I know some of the listeners out there have listened to this episode when I first released it a couple times. Might might want to go back and and listen to this one again. Because you hear new things each time. And, uh, I don't know, it's just an all-around great episode. Uh, One of my favorite uh, interviews that I've done. And, uh, yeah, you'll hear the nervousness in me. But, like I said, it's not every day you talk to an ex-Satanic High Wizard. Okay. Enough of that. Let's get into this because it's hump day. And that means it's one step closer to Friday. All right? Enjoy Spooktober.
2: is only a dream and we are the imagination of ourselves.
0: open your thought, truth, and reality, questioning everything and anything, from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome to My Third Eye.
3: So really if you want your magic to work you just have to embrace the double and do whatever you're going to do that's what it comes down to but the way i explained the bands that i worked with if you were famous previous to 1987 then i may have gone to your concerts but i didn't sign you. okay you were already famous
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of My Third Eye. Uh, thank you for uh, supporting me and the show, and talk at the tavern over on the Patreon. Please go sign up for the Patreon. You know, just go over there. It's five bucks a month. I'm doing a little extra here and there, throwing out some bonus episodes, not just talk at the tavern. So, if you have any ideas on, on different things that you'd like to see over on Patreon, you know, hit me up. Uh, get me get a hold of me on uh ig or or email me uh my third ipod at gmail.com everything's in my link tree uh, especially curcumin hit uh, up kelly fish on on instagram get the best prices also um uh, this episode has been um a long awaited I, I i've been I, i've had this one recorded for a little while like like most but could not wait to get this one out. I, I when I first started my podcast, I really wanted to talk to this this man. Very interesting guy. His name is Zachary King, and his story is fascinating but dark. So I I'm going to give you a little bit of a warning. Um, it does it does turn out light, but there are some dark dark uh, episodes in his story of being uh, a satanic eye wizard. So. Having said that, uh, I'm, I'm going to not run as long on an intro uh, for this one. But I will say, again, you know, go follow me on, on Instagram, hit up the YouTube, you know, keep subscribing. We're almost at 500. I can't I can't thank you enough. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, hit me up on on TikTok. I, everybody knows Ghost has a raging TikTok addiction. And uh, My Third Eye podcast now has its own official tiktok account so i haven't posted much there yet but uh it'll grow and you know it's, it's hard to keep up with all the socials and, and all these different platforms like telegram and what have you i used to be heavy on telegram and, and now not so much anymore but you know we'll get there and again i can't stress enough just go over to patreon hit, you know shoot me a couple bucks a month it's it's not much uh you, you can also cash at me if you want to buy me a coffee or a beer you know everybody knows ghost likes to drink a beer now and again you know that's why he does talk at the tap so uh like i said cash at me everything's in my link tree i got merch hit that button you know it's a it's something for now uh hopefully down the road it'll it'll morph into something different where i can do have more control of the merchandise but i will say that the quality is good I, I bought. One of the bucket hats, you know, uh, just to see what the quality would be, and uh, can't, can't, can't lie. It's, it's good quality. Uh, probably one of the better quality bucket hats I've, I've had in, in my lifetime. So, uh, having said that, I'm going to shut up. And again, thank you. Uh, I can't thank you enough. If you've had an experience, anything, I don't care what the topic is, you can come on and we'll talk. You know, I, I, I'm always down. And the further fetched it may sound, the the better. You know, I don't care. This is a judgment-free zone. You have full freedom of speech. You know, you can say whatever you want. And again, hit up Apple iTunes. Leave me a five-star rating and review. Uh, Those go a long way. And share the episodes. Just share them with a friend. Share them with a family. You know, be annoying. I don't care. You know, get... Just share, share, share. Eventually, one day will be like you know what I'm, I'm, I'm going to check out what so and so said and hopefully you know they like the content and you know the information that we put out over here at my third eye podcast so having said that I'm finally now going to shut up and enjoy the episode And welcome back to uh, another episode of My Third Eye. Uh, today, I have a very special guest. Uh, you may have heard him on um, the Confessionals podcast if you listen to Tony Merkel's show. Uh, it was back in the, the uh, 60s episodes. Um, I think it might have been episode 62 or 63. But uh, I'm bringing you uh, Zachary King, who is an ex-Satanic high priest. And he's going to share his story of what he went through Going into that journey and what happened coming out of that journey and where he might be today. So, I will turn this over to Zach and let him tell you where you can find him. Uh, I know he's on YouTube and uh, if you want to get a hold of him. So, Zach, how are you?
3: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very good.
3: What do I call you? Uh, I know- ghost. 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 Yep. Okay. Yeah. Because that's uh, when, when you first signed your, your email like that, I said, is that the rock band Ghost?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I heard that, and I'm like, I had to look them up, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> that's ghost." <laughs> uh,
3: I, I still want to go see them. I, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago, and it fell through.
0: Ah, nice. So, yeah, my w- one friend in Canada he 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 really likes them:
3: I, I heard they've got a, a new a new album out, and, and it's literally a new album. They put it out on vinyl. Oh wow. So yeah, my friend Alex, she's uh, the editor of my book. She she went out and got it. But right. I heard it was pretty cool.
0: You don't hear so, uh fans putting things out on vinyl much anymore.
3: Right, right. So uh, you just gave a shout out to Tony Merkel. That yes. was a good that was a good podcast.
0: Yes. I like- I, I, yeah. I listened to that episode uh, personally two times, once or twice with my wife and then uh, Maybe another time with another friend. So that was one of my favorite episodes actually.
3: Yeah, a lot of people email me that have listened to that show. Awesome. So yeah. I don't I don't know what his listenership is, but I've I've received a lot of uh feedback from it.
0: Uh he's got quite the quite the many listeners. So he he's a pretty big show. He actually just uh he's doing it full time now. He doesn't even uh drive truck anymore and i believe okay. him and his family are moving down to tennessee all
3: right i was uh driving through tennessee a few years ago and they have a highway a stretch of highway that i guess got hit by an earthquake or something
1: mm-hmm.
3: and so suddenly you'll notice that cars in the distance just disappear and oh, then wow. they, and then they reappear and you know, you're like, <laughs> how, what, did I take drugs or something while I was driving? Uh, did somebody smoked that I smoke a bong and forget about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, well, how is this happening? And then when you get up there, there's like these major dips in the road that just suddenly they're there. Oh, and so you dip, you dip down into this road, drive for 20 or 30 feet, and then you pop back up. Oh, wow. And, that's crazy. It's crazy when you see it from a distance, and then it's crazier when you go into it. I bet. Don't you think they should have fixed this by now?
0: Uh, They don't don't have enough taxpayer money.
3: I'm sure they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Somebody does. Yeah. Just didn't go to the road. Nope. So earlier in your intro, you called me a high priest, former high priest. Yes. I was a high wizard.
0: High wizard. I'm sorry. My bad
3: the the difference um i'm catholic so the for those that don't know the hierarchy of the catholic church uh a sacristan is somebody the sacristan the sacristy is where the priest gets ready to come out and say the homily or the sermon okay so that, that's uh the sacristan is the person that helps the priest get dressed and puts on all his regalia and whatever it is he's gonna wear okay the high priest in my old coven had that authority so a high priest would be the equivalent of a priest
4: in so in 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 a
3: in a satanic coven where the high priest is the top position then that's the equivalent of a priest in a catholic church right in my coven, a high priest didn't have any authority so he would be like a sacristan. He's the person that gets the priest ready to come out and do something. Okay. The high wizard is the equivalent of a cardinal. A cardinal is the next step from being Pope, but in my coven, the high, the, the high wizard is never going to be Pope. Okay. So he's at the top of his game, but he's not at the top of the game. Gotcha. You know, there are people above him and he can never achieve that level,
4: but he's at the top of his level.
3: I hope I made that more clear and not less clear.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. I, uh, forgive me for saying high priest. I don't even know why I was saying high priest, because I, I knew you were a high wizard at one point. You know what I mean? I, I fumbled my words, but I apologize, but you know, you cleared everything up, so that, that's always good.
3: I think another another thing to clear up but I'm not necessarily certain that this is the format, but why not, we're here. Um, A lot of people refer to me as having worked for the Church of Satan, but I think there's two references for the Church of Satan. There's the actual church that's the Church of Satan that was started by Anton LaVey Mm in 1966 or whatever it was. And then a lot of Christians and Catholics refer to if you do things that are pagan or wiccan or satanic they lump it all into the church of satan gotcha. like an overall you know it's just an umbrella of the church of satan not the actual church of satan right and for some people that's very confusing and then other people i would think that you for example would get it
1: mm-hmm.
3: um so i didn't work for the actual Anton LaVey's Church of Satan. But I did work for the Church of Satan as the the umbrella of it. Gotcha. Um, And the name of my coven was the World Church of Satan, also called Satan's World Church. And you won't find it online. As far as I know, you won't find it anywhere. Hmm. You know, it's like a top secret. It's like trying to find the name of Hillary Clinton's Satanic Coven. Right. You know, it's very hard to find the name of i find it listed anywhere
0: so are you actually admitting that she is in a satanic coven because you know that floats around a lot with <laughs> uh you know what i mean like different conspiracy podcasts and what have you and, and and some some people use it you know loosely you know out of the side of their mouth or cheeky or whatever but right. uh you know i i i am very familiar with your 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 story and you do mention uh her at some point um so is there... Is there truth behind that?
3: Yeah, she belongs to a satanic coven that's in Los Angeles, mm. and I know that it has two names. It's known as the Cult, and and that the Cult is the actual name of it. But it's known as the Cult, and it's also known as the Black Something or Something Black. And I've only heard the reference to the name like one time. Okay, but it's got a lot of famous members in it. Um, that coven has, I think Axel Rose, Anthony mm-hmm. Kiedis, um two
4: or three members of Kiss. So a couple of famous artists in it. Wow, and Hillary Clinton. didn't
3: her uh, bodyguard or chauffeur came out for a while, like in two thousand and fifteen or sixteen to give some interviews?
0: I think so. Um. I'd have to go, go back and, and look for him. But something does remind me or ring a bell that that one of her bought because he came out. I mean, he was he was pretty much saying how much of a, a piece of crap she was. You know what I mean? Like she she right. treats everybody so horribly and this and that and among some other things. But yeah, I, I do. I do remember that. I just don't. It's not fresh in my head, if you know what I mean.
3: She's got quite the among conspiracy theory type shows. She's got the quite the crappy reputation
0: Mm, big time.
3: It's hard to believe how many Democrats embrace her as, you know, she's the savior of their movement, you know, and then you listen to, you know, of the things that they say, uh, see satanic coven member, pedophile, uh, cannibal, Mm -hmm. um,
4: murderer. I mean, Anything
3: else you can think of am i am I missing anything?
0: Um, no, I think you hit them all.
3: <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Adrenochrome probably comes into that, yeah. although she's probably not just taking it. she's probably getting it,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
3: she's probably tapping it at the source right so you know if you're involved in all that other stuff, you know it's just a hop, skip and a jump away from tapping your own adrenochrome.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you're into pedophilia and child trafficking and, and what have you, and, and you're as high in government or even world politics as, as her and her, her husband, uh, if it is really her husband and, you know, they, they just play one on TV, who knows? That, that's another right. cons- conspiracy theory. You right, right. But, uh, you know, it w- w- wouldn't surprise me if she's doing the rituals and, and like you said, tap, tapping it at, at the source.
3: I told you this. This interview was going to be fun.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, with that coven in in LA, uh, is there any other major politicians, or is that something you don't really want to hit on? Or um, no, the,
3: the names that I dropped are the ones that I've heard. Okay,
0: <laughs> you know, I was I, just wondering if Nancy Pelosi fit in there somewhere.
3: She seems like she would belong to something like that. She has that witchy vibe about her, mm-hmm. but I don't have any proof of that. I didn't ever see her or something like that. Right. Um, you know, there's a bohemian grove for women. Oh, really? It's not in the same place. And I've never been. I've seen it referenced. And I've heard about it referenced and I've been invited to go. And I didn't have the time to go. Hmm. So I don't know where it is, but you know, if you've got a, a producer in the back wing someplace that has a, a laptop and the internet, they should be able to look it up.
0: Yeah. I'll and, check on that once we're done. Cause I I'm my own producer.
3: <laughs> yeah. You've got that set up. I've just about got that. Yeah. I, I have a person here in the background, but, um, She's not a producer. She just comes in and helps me a couple of days a week. Gotcha. All right. So am I supposed to just take the ball and run with it or what are we doing here?
0: Absolutely. You take, you take it and you run and, and when, whenever uh, you, you want to pause or whatever, or I, I might jump in with a question, but uh, yeah, take it away. Yeah. The, your story is super fascinating and, you know, awe-inspiring and I don't know, I, I love. I loved listening to it on, on the confessionals. So I'm, I'm just super uh, honored to have you on my show, so.
3: All right. And how long have I got? How long is the show?
0: Uh, you're my only guest today, so you can take as long as you want.
3: Okay. All right. Well, you know, I grew up in the seventies and I was born in 66. I mean, I was born the same year that Anton LaVey's church started. Mm. I might tell you something, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's a curse. Yeah. Uh, so when I was 10 years old, 1976, and by the time I was 10 years old, I had seen every scary movie that existed up until that point. And I loved those movies. I loved um, not just, you know I mean? I loved Creature from the Black Lagoon and all the Bella Lugosi movies You know, I love those things, but I loved movies that had magic. You know, if you could do magic in it, I wanted to do that. And if it was a movie that had like something satanic in it, I just thought that was cool. You know, I was grown, I grew up Baptist and they taught us in the Baptist church that Jesus died on the cross 2000 years ago and he defeated the devil then. And the devil is no threat to us now. Uh, he can't hurt any of us. If you're a Christian, you're protected. And that Satan was scared of the Baptist church. Now, the odd thing about that statement is that there's a book in the Bible where Satan attacks God on his own turf. Right. Heaven. in heaven. That's Mm -hmm. some balls there. Right. It's like, my balls are so big. I'm going to attack the person that made me what I am on his turf in his house. And he had his ass handed to him by St. Michael. <laughs> the right. And, uh and kicked out of heaven. Now it would seem to me that if the devil is not afraid of God, why would he be afraid of the Baptist church?
0: You got me. Cause yeah, most people that uh, do get saved and, and give their you know life to Christ, usually um, more often than not, they're the ones usually attacked more from the you know, spirit realm than people that that aren't. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, well, you, you hear stories and, you know, they're like, well, I, I turn my life to God. Why am I? Well, he doesn't like them. And like you right. said, he had big enough balls to go at him in his own home. He's not scared to come at you now, you know he he wants to get him out of you, you know,
3: right. You know, well, it, he doesn't attack non-Christians because they're already close to the devil, right. There's no reason to attack them. They're like friends. You know, even the ones that don't think they're satanic, you know, it it's like Jesus says, "If you're not for us, you're against us. You know, so either you're with God or you're not. And those that are not, he's got no reason to attack them. You know, he's already sucked them in with new age religions or tarot cards or psychics or what, you know, ghost huntings or whatever it is that he can use to get you away. I mean, even if you look at the people that are so into UFOs, most of them don't go to church,
1: right?
3: You know, that's their church. UFOology is their church. So, you know, and, and he's basically already got them. So I'm growing up Baptist, you know, and I'm hearing things like that. And my first day of school in the fifth grade, you know, I'm 10 years old. And this kid says, Hey, meet me in the bathroom at the first break. Okay. That little naive kid, no one's ever told me not to do something like that. So sure. Let's do that so the first break it's ten twenty 20 in the morning and i walk in the bathroom and there's like 49 other kids in there boys and girls just milling around and they tell us that we're going to turn out the lights which this was a genius system by the way this this impressed me right off the bat because we were in a brand new building and they had this new light system and only a teacher could come in there and turn on the lights because it took a special key
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And this kid figured out that if you stick a paperclip in there, you can turn the light on and off. And it was like, Oh, he's a genius. (laughs) So, 10 years old, you know, no internet back then. So, you know, we're not as bright as the kids now. Right. So, um, we're going to turn out the light. We're going to chant a phrase into the mirror. And if you do it right, the spirit of a burn victim will show up in the mirror. Now, it's the Bloody Mary game for I'm sure most of your audience knows about the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those that really know about the game, if you go to the Halloween store, which is owned by Spencer's, comes out every year at Halloween. It's open for a couple of months. They sell the Bloody Mary mirror in there. It's like one hundred and twenty five dollars. And at first you see your face and then you push a button and you hear the chant. And then the scary face appears off in the distance and comes at you super fast and ends up like right in front of your face in the mirror with with a hideous scream Mm. you know it's designed for you to put it like on your front porch when the kids come up for trick-or-treating right so um we're gonna do this chant now it turns out that this is actually a spell and that's not the spirit of a burn victim it's a demon but We don't know any of this stuff at that point you know we turned out the lights we did the chant face appears and 49 kids run screaming out of the bathroom
1: Mm. it's
3: like a mad dash to get out the door now one child we will call him an idiot and we can say he's an idiot because it was me (laughs) stayed there and thought this is the coolest thing ever i said this phrase we said it 11 times And this face appeared, I made that happen. Now, little sidebar here. This is how dumb I am as a kid. I don't realize that if I'm seeing it in the mirror, it's standing next to me. Oh yeah. It's in the mirror. It's a reflection standing next to me, but I'm too dumb to realize that, you know, this is something you realize when you're older, looking back, it's like, oh my gosh. You know, it's like to, to make a spell happen, to make it real, to make to make you actualize your spell, you need repetition, intention, and demonic presence. So if your spell works, congratulations, you have a demon present. Hmm. If it doesn't work, you don't have a demon present. Well, I obviously, the demon was present. It was standing next to me, which meant it was with all 50 of us kids. And then it lost 49 of them. And the dumbest one stayed in the room. (laughs) So we started doing that like every day. And then eventually notes got sent home because two kids got really badly hurt. In their attempt to flee, they got trampled by the other students. Mm. And I'm talking like broken arm, broken leg hurt. And so the school didn't want a bunch of lawsuits. So they sent notes home that said, if your child is caught playing this game, He'll be suspended for three days. I had to take that note home to my dad, and my dad had been a sniper in the Marines back in 1950, and he was kind of uh, rough and tough, and he was like five nine, and oh, my gosh, at one point he was probably over 300 pounds, and uh, you know, me being a tiny kid, small for my age, he was a huge mountain of a man, and very gruff. And usually had a cigar hanging out of his mouth. And, you know, my mom wouldn't let him smoke it in the house, but it was always in his mouth. And I had to come into the den, you know, at dinner time, and give my dad the note and stand there and wait for him to read it, sign it and give it back to me. And in his normal loving tone, he said, have you been playing this game? Being terrified of my dad as I was, I told him the truth.
4: No. So uh
3: I took the note and took it back to school the next day, and then you know, kids were still playing it in the bathroom at school, but you know, if I was suspended for three days, I wouldn't be here to tell you this story now. So I started playing the game at home. Let's just bring the danger right in the house. (laughs) So yeah, not the smartest tool, remember. So but at school I played it once a day. Now that I'm at home, I get up in the morning, play the game, go to the bathroom, play the game, wash my hands, play the game, brush my teeth, play the game, wash out my mouth, play the game, dry off, towel off, get ready to go out, play the game one more time, go out, have breakfast, come back in, play the game, brush my teeth, play the game again, leave for school. When I get home from school, My brother's home. No one else is home. I'm going to play the game 25 times before I eat. After I eat, I'm going to play the game another 25 times. I'm going to go in and take a bath. By the time I've gone to bed at night, I've played the game at least 50 times that day. Every day. Every time I play it, I see the face. I'm feeling on top of the world because all I got to do is chant a phrase in the mirror a certain number of times. And I get this thing shows up every single time dumb as I am though again not realizing 50 times a day I've got a demon standing right next to me Hmm. so I'm uh I'm doing that and then at the same time as that I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons and I am always the Wizard or the Sorcerer in that you know and magic works there but I mean come on to make your magic spell work you know all you've got to do is decide i want light in the cave i need to roll a 16 or higher with this 20-sided die and if i get it bam your magic trick works that's not magic right you know but in the game it feels like it is i mean it we we basically did larping in a in a small room because we would come in dressed in the costumes of our character and you would act out every scene in that small room if we would have known back then that you could do larping out in a big field with you know everything set up the way they do it now Mm -hmm. we'd have totally been into that oh yeah and i i'm missing a foot now and i'm blind if i could do larping in a wheelchair i would so be into it 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 just seems like it seems like a lot of (laughs) fun so I'm doing, I'm doing all this, and then it finally just finally it, it just kind of clicks one day that I wonder if I could do magic in real life. You know, my my Baptist preacher told me that magic wasn't real, you couldn't really do it. And my parents said the same thing that magic is fake, it's just theatrics and stuff that happens in movies. Somehow, my Baptist preacher and my parents had missed 33 verses in the Bible. Where god tells you not to do magical things like why would god tell you not to do something if it was impossible to do it right like if you couldn't lie thou shall not die would not be in the ten commandments if it was impossible to kill somebody thou shall not kill wouldn't be in the ten commandments so if it was impossible to do magic stuff why would god say don't do it Mm -hmm. but Apparently, my Baptist preacher and my parents hadn't read all those verses. So they're telling me that, and I'm thinking, you know, I've already proven my parents wrong before and other stuff. Maybe this is one of those times. Maybe magic does work, and they don't know about it. Maybe this is something I could really do. So I set about to do a magic spell, but I I wanted to research them because What do I want out of life? Well, I don't like that pop quiz I get every Friday, but I could prepare more for that. I don't wanna hurt that teacher. I don't like PE, I'm a little fat, nerdy kid. I don't really want uh, to hurt the PE coach either, as his job,
4: but I would like some cash. I mean, My parents
3: have a really big house and they make really good money. But yeah, they don't give me everything I want. They give me everything I need. I don't need anything. Right. But I would like to have the Kiss Alive 2 album. I would like to have more candy hidden in my room so my parents don't find it. You know, there's just stuff I'd like to have. So I set about to do a spell for money and I did it on a Friday. Saturday is my day. So I work for my dad for the first couple of hours, and then the day is mine. And I went out and I found a can of tennis balls with a $5 bill in it. Now this is 1976 comic books are 15 to 20 cents. Candy bars are 15 to 20 cents and penny candy is indeed a penny penny candy is now 25 to 50 cents. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But my dad, my dad told me when he was a kid, it was 10 pieces of candy for a penny. Oh Wow. And then when I come along, it's a penny a piece I thought ripped off. <laughs> so now I'd really feel ripped off if I was a kid. So uh, especially, you know, like now, you know, like my dad would say, here's a penny, go buy yourself some candy. I'm gonna have to save, you know, 100 of these to get four pieces. Right. So, um, the next Friday I do it again and Saturday I went out and I went playing. I found a $10 bill on the side of the road. I thought eight days, $15 I can nickel and dime my way to being a millionaire, Mm -hmm. but this still could have been a coincidence. So I came up with this genius plan. I don't know what this thing is in the mirror that I keep generating when I say this phrase, But i'm going to do my magic spell in the bathroom at home and when the face appears i'm going to make sure it knows i'm doing a spell for money and then i'm going to finish the spell for money and i did that face appeared and i went through the whole thing and showed it money and talked to it and told it what i needed and then i finished my spell and the next day i went out and i was playing and i was in this large a uh, unpaved parking lot next to US Sugar. And US Sugar was based in our town. And I saw what looked like Monopoly money rolled up tight in rubber bands. And I unrolled that and I put it in my pocket. And then later that night, I'm in bed, everybody's in bed asleep. I'm sitting in my bed with a sheet up over my head and a flashlight in my mouth, unraveling my, tra- my treasure. And when I unraveled everything, It looked like Monopoly money because I'd never seen a $100 bill. Mm. And when I unraveled all of them, I had 10 $100 bills. So I'm Mm. 10 years old, worth $1,000. For those of you that don't know, in 1976, Mm. that would be worth about $6,000 now. That's a lot of money
0: for a kid.
3: If you wait another couple of years with inflation going the way it is, it might be worth about $10,000. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, imagine being 10 years old, having that kind of money, and your favorite items are dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm on top of the world. You know, in, in my child mentality, I'm thinking 220 days, I got a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Three years ago. Three years of doing this, and I'm a millionaire. Now, as I, I said in a talk recently, I was in Washington, DC uh, about a month ago, and I spoke six times and I um in Washington, Maryland, and West Virginia, and um I said I was thinking of this from a 10 year olds perspective. So I'm not thinking about I gotta get insurance on my Lamborghini. Could you imagine a teenager having to pay insurance on a Lamborghini?
0: It'd be probably more than the, what the car's worth.
3: More than the car's worth, it'd be insane. <laughs> yeah. um, also, there was a the thought of, I got to get to the Lamborghini store. That would probably most likely, the closest one to there would have been Miami. So Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. So I got to get there though. My dad's going to have to take me to the Lamborghini store. I'm gonna to have to explain to my dad how I got $200,000. I'm gonna to have to have it in cash because I can't put $200,000 in the bank. My dad is gonna to have to drive my Lamborghini back home. My dad drives like an old man. So as much as I am proud of my Lamborghini, I'm gonna to have to scoot way down in the seat because my dad's gonna be driving this car that goes 200 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour all the way home right you know he's going to pop it into first gear and leave it there so but i'm not thinking of any of those issues i'm just thinking this is what i can do so i'm doing magic pretty much every day and usually for just silly stuff but everything i do it for works and i mean no matter what i mean even i'm not prepared for the pop test on friday I'm gonna do a spell so I don't have to take it. And then suddenly we go in and we've got a substitute teacher that day, no pop test. You know, could have been a coincidence or it could have been magic, you know, but I'm not taking credit for it because I don't want anyone to know that I'm doing this stuff. I just want everybody to think I've got good fortune. Positive stuff is constantly happening to me. You know sometimes i did it sometimes i didn't most of the time it took me a long time to run out of that money i had that money for probably a couple of years and you know I just always had stuff that i wanted (laughs) i had a closet in my bedroom that was bigger than some people's bedrooms and so it was always full my parents had it stocked full of clothes it didn't just have my clothes it had some of their clothes in it because my closet was bigger than anyone else's closet in the house. And so there was shoes that went from one side to the other. So every once in a while I would throw away a pair of shoes that I didn't like that was in there and replace it with a pair of shoes that I thought was really cool. And my parents didn't even notice. You know, they're like, you know, well, you know, one of us must have bought them or he bought them at Goodwill or something like that. They didn't know that I had my own treasure trove of cash when i was 11 years old i became the victim of a sexual assault at school at the hands of a female teacher now back when that happened to me you never heard about it anywhere no now it's like on the news every week you know it's like every week there's a different teacher that gets arrested for one or two students or the entire classroom or you know or whatever i mean the last crazy one was like a couple of months ago you know, and she's like scoring boys left and right. Right. You know, and people are like, oh, those kids are so lucky. And it's like, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. I was the victim of that when I was 11. That's not luck. That's uh, that's bad luck. It's extremely bad. It's a horrible situation. Um, I had not been taught anything about sex when I was a kid. And, you know, it was a horrible, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. I knew that this isn't supposed to be happening, I don't think. Right. I've never been warned against this, but this doesn't feel right. And I'm in I'm in the boys' bathroom. I hear a noise in there when I walk in. I got a note from class so I could go to the bathroom. It's in the handicap stall. So I walk all the way down there. I look underneath. I don't see any feet under the stalls. So I walk down there and the door is not latched and I open it and there's a woman sitting on the toilet with her feet pulled up off the floor and the feet folded on the seat underneath her. Basically her skirt is up around her waist. She's masturbating, but I don't know. That's what she's doing. I also have never seen a vagina and had no idea what that was. Right. She didn't have a penis and I was just shocked by that. And So this is what a girl has apparently, but I'm 11 years old. This isn't computing. Nothing she's doing is making any sense to me. Like to me, it looks like she has a wound and she's sticking her fingers in it. Right. And I'm like, just, I I don't know if she's okay or is she wounded? Is something wrong? And then she has me step more in and lock the door behind me. And I do that. And then she calls me over to where she's at, undoes my pants and pulls them down, uh, services me orally, and then has me lay on the floor and she gets on top of me. And this whole time, I'm like, I'm, I don't know, is this OK? Am I doing this right? Um, what are you doing? You know, And she just tells me to be quiet. And then when she's done, and I'm done, then you know she makes sure that I'm okay. She cleans me up, pulls my pants up, we're all done. And then I forgot to go to the bathroom and then I went back to class and I still had to go to the bathroom. But now there's nothing I can do till the class gets out. Plus I was down there for over a half an hour. So when I come back, teacher makes fun of me in front of the whole class. You know, and the whole class laughs at me for you know taking so long and uh, her saying something about, you must have had crazy diarrhea or something like that. And uh, so then that was so traumatizing to me, but she had told me that if I told anybody, I'd be expelled from school. It was my idea and I wanted to do it. If I told my parents, I'd be disinherited or kicked out of the family and that I would probably end up going to prison. So, and I'm 11 years old. I'm thinking she's a teacher. She's not lying. Right. You know, so I can't tell anybody I've got nobody I can tell. And I already found out from her previous experience. that if you tell the counselor, they tell your parents. Hmm. So I can't tell the the counselor, I can't tell any of the teachers. I can't tell my parents. If I tell the cops, I'm the one that's gonna go to prison. So I've got nothing I can do. There's no one I can tell. So I dive further into magic because that makes me feel like I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof on the top of the world. So I dive further into that. Now, going back to when I was 10, we used to play D&D all the time. There was this kid that used to play D&D with us. And then one day, he stopped playing d and with us and he stopped coming to school. So we just assumed that he moved. I mean, he wasn't somebody, we never went over to his house and did anything. So we didn't know where he lived. We just never saw him again. So he moved. Okay, well, I mean, that happens, people move. So then when I was 12, he came back and we asked him like, hey, where did you move to? Oh, he didn't move, he was being homeschooled and he just stopped doing all the things that he used to do with all of his outside friends. It's like, so like you were here, you just didn't play with us anymore. You know, it's was like, we kind of felt insulted by it. You know, and he was like, well, I was having a lot of fun with this group I was hanging out with, and I was having more fun there than I was with you guys. So I just stopped hanging out with you guys. You know, it's like, well, why are you back now? Did they leave you? He was like, no, they just thought that I should come back and invite you guys to join us. So he tells us about this group being they play D&D campaigns every weekend, but they also believe magic is real. Well, I know magic's real. So, all right, I'm going to go check them out. So, you know, my house, we have like a 25-inch TV, you know, and it's one of those console things that sits on the floor. So, I mean, people today, anybody that's listening to your audience that's 25 or younger is probably like a what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I remember having those TVs.
3: It's like a big wooden box with a big screen stuck in the middle of it. You know, and uh, like my parents also had the the matching um, console that was next to it. That was about six or eight feet long had a speaker on either side built into the box and then in the middle of it was a big case that held record albums and then a turntable and an eight track player and that thing got hella loud you could play that thing so loud you could hear it outside Yep. and uh i can't imagine what my parents paid for all that back then because that stuff was really expensive you know, it's like we had a VCR back in the day that cost $400. Mm-hmm. You know, can, if you can find one at Goodwill, they're two bucks. Right. Um, you know, also like when the, the first DVD player came out, you know, that was super expensive. And now those things are, you know, you can get a VCP for what, $12, $15 at Walmart.
1: Yeah. Cheap.
3: Yeah. So, um, but you know, we we've got this, this this TV, and at this other place though, they've got a fifty-inch proje- projection screen. You know, and I'm like, whoa! I've never seen a TV like that before. You know, or at my house, you can watch a G-rated movie or a PG-rated movie if it's been vetted by my dad. But over there, did you know that they have R-rated movies? Now, at eleven years old, I didn't know there were R-rated movies. I just knew there were movies at the theater that I couldn't go see. Right, I didn't know why. I and mean, I just assumed there was content in them I wasn't supposed to see, but I didn't know what that content was. I didn't know that there was extreme violence you could see in a movie, or there was sexual content you could see. But speaking of sexual content, I found out that there were X-rated movies, mm. and that there were triple X-rated movies, and that there were triple X rated movies with kids in it my age. And that what happened to me when I was 11 was atrocious. And that should have never happened to a child of any age
4: that didn't want it to. But now,
3: if somebody wants to do something, I can say no. Anybody that I ask that I wanna do something with, can't tell me no. If I wanna do it, I can do it. And if I wanna be in these movies, I can do that too. And they'll make me famous. So not knowing any better, I was in child pornography
4: from 12 to 16 and a half.
3: So I'm being re-victimized for four and a half years. But at the time that it's happening, I'm thinking I'm the luckiest kid in the world. You know, like in the seventh grade, 12 years old, all the boys are bragging about all the sex they're having. None of them are having sex, right? You know, they're all just who can come up with a better lie. You know, I've got to top this person's story. That person has to top this person's story. You know, it's like all these lies, just one on top of the other, you know, and you can easily catch a kid in the lie about sex, ask him that story that he told you three weeks ago ask him about the details now because if you really had that sex he'd remember it clear as a bell because come on what 12 year old is getting laid exactly but three weeks later he doesn't remember the details of what he said so you know he's not telling the truth i'm not bragging about it because i'm really doing it and i don't want to get caught you know i'm thinking i'm the luckiest kid in the world it wasn't until a few years after that stopped that I realized, wait a minute, I had a bunch of pedophiles filming me, and pedophiles having sex with me, because I had sex with adults and kids. Even the kids were all twisted as well. I mean, they couldn't help it; they were victims. Right. But you know, like I got taught how to have sex by three girls, three sisters. When I started, one was eight, one was eleven, and one was fourteen. I was twelve years old. The eight year old had been in porn since she was three. All of them had been in porn since they were three. The 14 year old, I knew her for like two more years, and then she ran away from home. All three of these girls were in the same satanic coven I was in. Mm. And the older one, I guess, finally got tired of being an abuse victim for 15 years and ran away, you know, or something like, you know, 14 years maybe. She ran away when she was 16 and she'd been doing it since she was three, so 13 years. You know, she got a boyfriend and left. And I never heard from her again. But I hope she got
4: away. So um
3: and I, I was I was enjoying like everything I was doing. I found out the best thing to do after you eat a big meal is smoke a cigarette. Mm. You know, if you wanted to feel important. You know, drink like uh, a beer while smoking a cigar when you're watching the football game. Right. You know,
4: know, if you're going to have a big meal,
3: but you're not sure if you can eat it all, smoke a joint first. Suddenly you've got the munchies and you can eat everything. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: You know, um, acid is a lot of fun, but you want to have even more fun than that? take a tap of acid and then drop some MDMA at the same time. Hmm. Spaced a little bit apart and, you know, experience that, you know, and that became like one of my favorite things to do It's called candy flipping. And, um, you know, I was just having all kinds of fun. And then, you know, at my house, my mom would give you three meals a day and a snack if she's in a good mood. But, at this place, you could live on Snicker bars and potato chips all day, have pizza and burgers whenever you want. You know, in the 18 years that I lived at home, we had a pizza probably five times in, in 18 years. It was not a favorite at our house. Gotcha. But over there, I could have it every night of our one. And whatever I wanted, I could have. And, you know, I associated... My parents and God were the same. They were all the no police. You know, the Bible is a whole list of things you can't do. You know, there's nothing in there that says you can do this. Everything is thou thou shalt not. My parents were also the no police. Anything I wanted to do, the answer was no. Now my dad could come into the, the room or the house or whatever and say, we're gonna do this tonight. Heaven forbid you said no, you were punished right dad you know it's like there's a new movie coming on the theater on friday can i go see it no the moody blues are coming thursday night can i go no this is happening can i no dad no eventually you just look at my dad no (laughs) so uh you know but over there anything i want to do you know it's like this movie's coming out can we go see it yeah we're going to go see that on thursday night in the afternoon but at night we're going to go see the moody glues you know my first concert was blue oyster cult opening for kiss 1978 west palm beach auditorium also nicknamed the leaky teepee because it's shaped like a teepee and when it rains outside it rains inside gotcha (laughs) so really cool i mean seeing kiss at 12 years old that was like a religious experience Oh, I bet. So, I mean, original four members, smoke, lights, mirrors, explosions. It was a lot of fun. So, I'm having I'm having a grand experience. But this kid came up to me one day and he goes, you know you're in a satanic coven, right? And he took off running. And I laughed it off. But, you know, a couple of weeks later, <laughs> it kind of got to me. You know, every day for two weeks, it was like,
4: I'm in a satanic coven. But, you know, I was a
3: big fan of the Adam West Batman series. And if you remember that show, when the bad guys were on the screen, the
4: screen was tilted. Yes. Because they were crooked.
3: And then when Batman shows up, he's upright, and the screen is upright. And, and when you watch the old westerns, the bad guys... Were black and the good guys were white. Mm -hmm. Even if it wasn't the full outfit, the cowboy hat was black
4: or the cowboy hat was white. And
3: when the bad guys on the screen, there's creepy music. And when the good guys on the screen, there's uplifting music. So none of these things are clicking with me because I'm having fun. I'm eating what I want. I'm smoking what I want. I'm taking what I want. I'm drinking what I want and I'm having sex every day. So I'm getting everything I want out of this.
4: But I'm supposed to be in a satanic covenant. I saw Rosemary's baby. It didn't seem all that positive.
1: No. <laughs> so,
3: yeah. So I went up to an adult that I trusted and I said, hey, you're going to laugh but I heard this was a satanic coven. Crazy, right? And he said, it is. And my heart sunk into my stomach. And I said, am I a
4: member? No. Would you like to be?
3: I see, now this is the moment of truth for me because so many people now ask me, why would you possibly want to join a satanic coven?
4: I mean, clearly Satan's the bad guy. Well, when you're an adult and you have discernment and now you've read the entire Bible and now you're a Christian, Satan's the bad guy. But when you're 12 years old and you're getting drunk whenever you want and you're smoking weed every day and you're smoking almost every day and you're getting laid almost every day. And you're eating whatever you want every day.
0: Who's the bad guy again? Right, especially when you're 12 years old.
3: I mean that. Right, you're in heaven. <laughs> you right. I mean, you're the king of the my world. Parents, my parents are telling me everything I can't do, and everything they're telling me not to do is everything this satanic covenant is telling me is okay. Don't tell your parents, and you won't get in trouble for it. You know, if you read the the Ten Commandments you'll see everything that you're doing is stuff you're not supposed to be doing that God says not to do. So God is the no police. My parents are the no police. Satan's supposed to be the bad guy, but he's telling me I can do everything. I think I'm going to walk over here with this guy with the pointed tail and the horns on his head. Cause he's saying yes to everything I want to do. All right. Why wouldn't I, I was like, what do I have to do to join? And when he says, well, there's 13 steps to being a Satanist and you've done almost everything already. The only thing you have left to do, I had to slice my left thumb and bleed onto a document. It's a five page document and that has signature lines in three places. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin, but not mine. And I signed my name to that. Jesus died for everybody, but not me. And I sign my name to that, and the final page, I agree to sell my soul to the devil, and I sign that. Now, when I'm in my talks, I usually have an assistant sitting next to me, and I ask them what kind of car they drive, and whatever it is, I then ask the audience, how many people here can legally sell me their car? Nobody puts up their hand, and I say, why not? And they said, because it doesn't belong to us. And said, that's the same reason you can't sell your soul. It doesn't belong to you. And you may have heard that God died for you. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your soul. You can't loan it, you can't lease it, and you certainly can't sell it. You may have heard Satan's a liar. I am here to confirm. If the devil tells you good
4: morning, get a second opinion. <laughs> but, at twelve years old, you were not the sharpest tack.
3: You were more like the round marble in the box of tacks. Oh yeah. You know, I officially signed the document when I was thirteen, and as you know, every thirteen-year-old knows it all.
0: Oh, absolutely! I knew everything at thirteen.
3: Right, right. Well, we are the most brilliant people in the world. We could have solved every economic crisis that's ever come along. Every relationship issue, uh, you should have just made all of us president and the country would be fine. Right? Actually, the way the country is right now, I think there might be a 13-year-old in office. And I, I fully
0: agree with you. <laughs> and 13's being generous.
4: And that's my phone on mute.
1: <laughs>
3: it was muted, so it wouldn't do that during the during this interview. So anyway, um, I agreed and I signed all these places. Uh, the meeting took place. You know, we, I would do sleepovers all the time. And so the sleepover is happening. And we have about, our coven was pretty big. It had 120 to 150 members in any given time. Uh, there's a large meeting room. Uh, there's a bunch of women um a bunch of people in the room and i get baptized i'm in a white robe signifying i'm losing my innocence and i am baptized in a vat it looks like a skull's head upside down and it's um a vat of human blood pig's blood and human urine Mm. full full submersion sounds pleasant right no (laughs) you want makes you want to run out and try this today (laughs) I didn't get any in my mouth and uh then you come out and you go into another room and you take a shower and uh, you come out in a black robe with the cowl raised and it signifies that you've been baptized into a world of darkness you come into the room and you sit in a chair and they hand you a wheel with a crucifix in it You spend the crucifix upside down, signifying human sacrifice. You put your arm, you put your hands on the arms of the cross and they read off the document you read, you signed the night before. And then at the end of that, you break the arms downward and that's denouncing Christ. And what you're left with looks like a peace sign. And then they take the document and put it with this and use twine to connect it all. And they say this goes into a vault where it will stay for the rest of your life and that your soul is tied to this document. And then I guess when you die, they burn this and signifying that it's burning up and you're about to be burning up, you know, or you're probably if you died before then you're burning before the document is right. And then you have a party. Do you have a question?
0: Yeah. is that kind of maybe how the peace sign was you know, introduced? It Could that be like a, you know, like a PSYOP, you know, Hey, draw this, this is a peace sign, but really um, by you drawing it and using it, you're, you're denouncing Christ.
4: Well, I don't know how long that ritual has been going on. And
3: I, I honestly don't know how long that's been around. I know that the, The nuclear symbol is also the peace sign. You know, if you look at the the nuclear, you know, it's a circle with the the shapes in it. Mm -hmm. But if you stand back and look at it, it's a peace sign. Now, the peace sign was big back in the '60s, right? I know, but I don't know the origin of it. Gotcha.
0: No, I just, it, I don't know why that popped in my mind. It's just, you know, when you were describing it and you're like, you know, when you, when you break the arms down, it you know, it looked like a peace sign. I was like, well, wait a minute. What if, you know, what if they just ran like this psyop on everybody and fooled them into, to, you know, writing this symbol down. And obviously, you know, you're familiar with magic. Uh, you write it down, everybody's using it and it it's ultimately giving you know power to satan or whatever and people don't know because they're they're not they're not denying it you know what i mean so it is giving them power
4: right that's a possibility i had i had not thought of that
3: that's a good point
0: yeah well thank you (laughs) sometimes sometimes they just come to me i guess i don't know (laughs)
3: You ever think maybe when that happens, that's it's not you? Maybe it's your guardian angel or the Holy Spirit.
0: It, probably, it, yeah. It, it it's something other than me. I know that.
3: Yeah, there's many, many times I come up with a genius idea, and I'm thinking that could have happened. I'm 55 years old. It took me 55 years to come up with that. Right. That wasn't. That couldn't have been me. <laughs> if it was me, I would have thought of that earlier. You know, it's got to be something godly. Right. Although I have noticed that sometimes you come up with a brilliant idea. And I tell people, this: I say, if you come up with a brilliant idea, give God the credit and then do it. And if you do it, and it blows up in your face. Claim it. And if you do it and it work like a charm, give God the credit. What could the harm be? Maybe if you keep giving him the credit, he'll keep giving you brilliant ideas.
0: Mm, true.
3: You know, it's like, you're going to thank me for that here. Let me give you another one. You know, if you're not going to thank him, he's like, screw you. Be happy with one, (laughs) (laughs) you got one down, down it that way. Yep. So I officially joined this coven when I'm 13. When I was 14, I was told that I was going to participate in a sex party. It was going to be all the male members, 12 to 15 years old and a woman over the age of 18, purpose was to make her pregnant. And then she was gonna have an abortion like eight or nine months later. Gonna have a late term abortion. And I was like, cool. And then I went home and looked up the word abortion because I didn't know what it meant. Now, the only thing I knew about the word abortion is that when I was really young, my parents whispered it. So I knew it had to be a dirty word.
1: Mm
3: now looking back that is probably the dirtiest word i know but you know back then i no idea what it was i went to the library and i saw two books on the shelves both about this thick that had the word abortion in them in the title and i you know i went to school on cliff notes i am not reading three inches of a book to tell me what the word abortion means right you know and kids are not now like you don't have the internet no we didn't have the internet so you know i was like how am i going to that's just like i'm telling a kid a story recently and she said why don't you just use your cell phone like we did not have cell phones back then we had a phone booth on the side of the road made of glass yeah like a mini building that you stood in that everybody could see you on the phone You know, and you're trapped in there. If a car is heading your way, you can't get out of that booth fast enough.
0: No. You
3: know, so you're going to die in a glass coffin.
0: No, those doors didn't always open.
3: Right. Right. (laughs) Sometimes it didn't open. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So telling kids stories today is really fun because you can bring up things like no cell phones and you wouldn't have tablets back then. We didn't have the internet, you know, and they just look at you like you've got three heads. Like they don't know what you're saying. You're mm-hmm. like you're not even speaking english at this point so i went up to an adult you know and i said hey you know i heard i gotta do an abortion later i don't know what that means and he goes oh you're, you're killing a baby in the womb <laughs> my jaw just dropped i was like is that legal he goes oh yeah in the womb legal out of the womb murder okay so I practiced with a ball of Play-Doh and an orange or an apple and a scalpel. Now the reality of the abortion is that we have okay, we have three robes in my Satanic coven, and my my coven was called um, Ordi Templi Oriente, but it was the OTO, so it was called Toto.
0: Wow, that. That is a synchro because um, I have a, a friend who runs the New York Patriot show and also the Occult Rejects show. Um, he, he is New York Patriot. He is a former uh, member of the OTO and his co-host is a former member of the Golden Dawn.
3: Okay. Wow. Yeah. The Occult Reject show, that's you need to send me the link to that. I'd like to listen to that.
0: Yeah, I will. Uh, they, they break down a lot of cool stuff. Uh, one of my favorite mini series that they did, uh, well, there was two, one was, uh, they did a six or seven part series on, uh, Quetzalcoatl, and then they did, um, a five, five or six part series on the Scarlet whore, um, which were really good. I mean, these guys really do the research and, you know, that try to expl- basically expose, you know, the world, you know, these secret orders and, and what they do and, and you know, the sigil magic and everything that else that, you know, goes into it that people don't realize they're, they're seeing on a daily basis performed right in front of you on, on your black scrying mirror called a, a television, you know.
3: Right. Or um, how the people don't realize how many magic acts happen at the Super Bowl.
0: Mm yes every,
3: every halftime show yep you know people you know it's like i think one of the there's one that happened in it wasn't a halftime show it was like an mtv music awards and it was uh, katie perry performing dark horse yes and she does like an entire magic act there and then at one of the super bowls it was madonna mm-hmm. uh, and she was wearing the headdress and everything and it was like wow, how many people are watching this and I have no clue.
0: Yeah. In fact, I think they actually, they, I forget, it might've just been an episode, you know, not a, not a miniseries, but they touched on that Katy Perry thing. Um, actually they might've touched on it, uh, when they were doing the Scarlet Horror that she was representing the Scarlet Horror during, during that, um, that performance or whatever. I mean, yeah, I'll definitely send you the link. Uh, I, I think you'd really enjoy, uh, listening to their program, I know New York Patriot wanted to reach out to you and email you. I don't know if he has yet. Um, but I don't think I I told him, I I gave him your email after I, you know, I found it and what have you. But I, you know, I told him, I said, "Be, be patient. You know, he's his health isn't, you know, the greatest right now. And, uh, but he, he will get back to you and he's like, okay, but he gets real busy and sidetracked. So I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll message him again after, after we, we get done. And, and what have you and just to remind them. But yeah, I'll definitely send you the link to their their podcast.
3: How long has the uh the other one, the the rejects,
0: the the occult rejects have been going okay. I think about close to a year now. Okay. They it- <laughs> it's funny because they kind of met, they were both guests on a podcast, and then Lux reached out to New York Patriot and was like, hey, why don't we team up and do a podcast and expose all this and then that's then the occult rejects were born and, <laughs> and now they now they're on to awesome things. So
1: can you hand me
4: one of my nepros? Yeah. So um I I did the uh oh, I thought she was just gonna hand it to me. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
4: <I'm> <laughs> making gestures for no reason.
0: Yeah. Um, Sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine. I feel
4: my blood sugar dropping too low.
3: I'd rather not pass out while we're having the conversation.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't be good. I don't want you to do that.
3: (laughs) Excuse me for just a second. No,
4: you're fine. Uh, these protein drinks are awesome <laughs> so went over and had my sex party
3: and then um oh going back to the robes so we have the white robe is the initiate you only wear it one time and it's when you're showing that you're wanting to join the coven and you get them baptized and all that uh the black robe is what most people wear
1: mm-hmm.
3: And it's a black robe with a red inverted pentagram on the chest. And then there's a red robe with a black inverted pentagram on the chest. And the red robe is, re- is worn by the magic practitioner, the person that practices the official magic of the covenant. So everybody's allowed to practice magic. That's not a big deal. But you do have an official person If somebody comes to the coven and says they want a spell for whatever, and they're willing to pay the coven to get it done, then the guy in the red robe is the one that does it. Hmm. And the guy in the red robe is better at his craft than everybody else. So I've been doing magic for almost three years at the point that I joined. And they saw, and that's what I wanted was that red robe. So when I joined, it was like my first day. Like I had the black robe when I when I came out and I'm baptized World of Darkness. And when I got off the chair to celebrate, because we're having a party after that to celebrate, you know, I'm a Satanist and you know, however many years, ninety five years from now I'm gonna die and go to hell. Um, but they had me come into another robe another room and they handed me the red robe. And hmm. Said, This is you from now on. So I got the red robe instantly. Wow and So now, you know, it's like skip ahead a little bit, you know, about a year and I'm in this room and we're about to perform this abortion. We have an abortion doctor and a nurse from an actual abortion facility. And we've got 13 high priests and priestesses and they're surrounding the birthing table. Got a woman laying there. So the 19 year old girl that we made pregnant and I'm being told it's a late term abortion. I have no idea what that means, but you know, okay and my job is to get blood on my hands i don't have to stab the baby or hurt the mother you know i don't have to do anything i just have to get blood on my hands and then i have to go do my hex the in that coven and in my second coven the reason we would do abortions is because you know you have different spells different spells at different levels do different things so The very basic spell, let's say, is the evil eye. And if you're looking at the evil eye in a list of curses, an evil eye basically is the equivalent of spitting on somebody. Okay. If you do another spell at another level, you've kicked them in the shins. If you do another spell at another level, you slap them in the face. You do another spell at another level, you've punched them in the gut. You do another spell at another level you've kicked him in the balls you know you keep going up and up and up when you get to a hex you do an abortion you give the devil what he wants the devil will give you what you want so that was the mentality so you do an abortion you do your hex you've just dropped an atomic bomb on the person's head You know, so you've gone from the evil eye, which is staring at somebody and spitting on them, to dropping an atomic bomb on their head, you've taken the game up a notch. But they're definitely dead. You know, you have done whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, you're going to accomplish. So <coughs> we do the, the abortion, I watch the doctor, I get the blood on my hands, I watch the doctor do the late term. Um, it is probably the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. And then from there, he ripped the baby to shreds, tore the pieces off and threw them out to, we had a bunch of naked women on the floor that were kneeling. They were writhing around. They were chanting our bodies ourselves. And when they were thrown the baby body parts, they ate them. They consumed everything, but the bones, And then they had, after that was done, then they had this giant orgy and sex orgy. And then pretty much the end, you know, that was my first abortion. Um, I did probably four or five more of those while I was a teenager. And when I was graduating from high school, you know, I was going to be going off to college and I thought, I really want to find another, I can't just keep driving back to this satanic coven. I I need to have a satanic coven where I'm going to be, but this is before the internet and I'm not going to be able to just find it because they advertise it in the town square. So how am I going to find a satanic coven? Now, back then, if you wanted to find a satanic coven, some laundromats had message boards and you could find little three by five cards that sometimes advertise them Hmm. or if you could find an adult bookstore and find a local swingers magazine they would advertise in the back of it so that those were options okay but i just i just i wanted more i wanted you know those people that advertise in swingers magazines were a little different. Hmm. And I wasn't looking for that kind of difference. Right. You know, so I contacted, you know, I I went to school. I went to my, my first day of school was a Wednesday and that was the day that the student union is open every Wednesday. So they go, there's an area of the school called the student union and it's where all the businesses are. And then on Wednesday, there's tables and banners everywhere advertising all these political and religious groups. (laughs) So they have like the Baptist and the Catholic student union and the Republican, the Democrat, and the monarchy party student union. Monarchy party, lots of fun. And uh, the satanic and the Wiccan student
1: union.
4: Okay, so I went to their satanic coven
3: and it's not really a coven it's like a club and it's a bunch of kids away from home for the first time with no adult supervision and they think that satan is all about getting high getting drunk getting laid Hmm. well i've been doing that since i was 12 years old i don't need a satanic coven for that anymore and these guys don't really know magic they make up magic spells as they go and I'm like, I'm going to take a puff of this cigar and a drink of this beer. And then I'm going to kiss Susie and that's going to give me a new truck. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Hope that works for you. Right. And, uh, you know, it never worked and it's because it's not real magic. You I know, mean, it's like, that's not a magic spell. You know, do you know that if you include these 15 things and do this ritual and they're like, oh, screw that man. I'm not going through all that work. Okay, then I'll just keep my magic to myself, and I'll keep being successful, and you can keep getting drunk and taking a toke and kissing Susie. Hope you get that truck. And uh, I got tired of this after a while. I mean it was just and then this is this was the real kicker to me. So they would do this on Saturday. Guess what they did on Sunday? Go to church? Go to church. Why? <laughs> Because that's what they were. They were Christians that went to a satanic club as just a fun thing to do before they go to church. So, Saturday night, I'm going to talk about killing goats and sacrificing children and doing this and doing that and being the evil guy that I am. And then Sunday, I'm going to go get sanctified. Right. And then Saturday, we're going to do it all again. You know, and I was like, oh, no, huh. So I called my first coven and I was like, Hey, I was reading a book. And in that book, it was talking about magic. And it talked about a coven that was out to rule the world, but it didn't say who they were, but it said they were huge. And it mentioned a place called Bohemian Grove.
4: What can you tell me? And do I have to find Bohemian Grove to join? No
3: there's a group near you, let me give you their phone number, call them up, tell them this phrase, and they'll hook you up. Okay. So I did that. And they gave me an address. They said, we're having a party this Friday night. Come there. You won't need a password or anything to get in, you just walk in and just do whatever you want while you're there. You'll see all the activities join in. Okay. So I go to this place, parking is insane. It it's like Walmart at Christmas. Oh. So I'm parking like a mile and a half away. I mean, I found the building, but there's no place to park anywhere near it. So I've got to drive until I mean, there's lots of parking, but you've got to keep going until you find a spot. So I find a spot, and then I start walking, because I've got to walk a mile back to get there. And when I walk inside, it's a building about the size of a super Walmart. And it's just one big open building. There's food in multiple places, drinks in multiple places and drugs in multiple places, and about 10,000 people inside. And I'm walking around, I'm just, you know, carrying a drink with me, got a sandwich, just walking around and they're, they're making, there's a guy on a podium making announcements. And none of that's really making any sense to me. But goes go back to me being 13 years old at a sleepover. I saw this guy one night. I got up, it's like three o'clock in the morning. I want to get a drink of water and go to the bathroom. And on my way to the bathroom, I see this guy dressed in a tuxedo, with a top hat and a wand in his hand, and he's got corpse paint on his face, but he looks like a member of KISS wearing a tuxedo. To me, it's the coolest man I've ever seen in my life. And he sees me and he winks at me and keeps going. And I go to the bathroom, I come out, I get my drink of water, I go to bed. When I woke up the next morning, I was like, hey, who was this? I saw him in here last night. And they're like, oh, you dreamed that. That didn't really happen. And I thought, wow, so my parents lied to me, my Baptist preacher lies to me, and now my satanic coven's lying to me. Okay, I'm just going to store that away in the back of my mind and I'll find that someday. I'll just hold on to that little gem.
4: So that little gem happened. When I was 18 years old, I was at this party and
3: suddenly I see not the same guy, but that same look, this guy walking through this party. And I grabbed this guy I was with and I was like, who is that? What is that? How can I do that? And he says, well, who ran your satanic coven? The coven you came from? Obviously you got referred to to get here, I was like, yeah, we had a really big satanic coven, that 120 to 150 members any given time. We had 13 high priests and priestesses over us. He goes, did you have official magic practitioners? I said, yeah, I was one. You wear a red robe, everyone else wears a black robe, except initiates, they wear a white robe. He goes, okay. He goes, well, we're run by a CEO and board of directors (laughs) And then that guy is called the high wizard
4: and he does the official magic of the coven. And I was like, how can I get that position? He said, well, I know that Satan handpicks the high wizard. That's what we're told, but I don't know how you do that. I don't know how he chooses.
3: And by the way, our coven has 1.1 million members worldwide. Jeez. You know, and I'm thinking my 120 to 150 was really big because we were so much bigger than all the other covens around us because most covens have 13 members or less, you know, so 120 to 150 is huge. You know, and I tell this guy it was huge. And then he looks at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, like, well, why do you think that's huge? And then tells me that you know we have over 1 million members and i'm like oh okay yeah i'm the idiot and uh that that idiot theme follows me throughout my life so um i I did notice that i didn't find wisdom until i hit about 40. my dad was the biggest idiot in the world till i turned 40 and suddenly he was so smart (laughs) because he was the biggest idiot back when i was the 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 amazing child of 13 that had all the answers. Right. How is he not smart like me? So anyway, um, I tell this story to so many people and so many older people say, we see you in ourselves, you know, as we were growing up, we were like, oh, he was was one of us. So anyway,
4: um, I decided that abortions, When you do an abortion, you get the devil's attention.
3: So if I wanted to be the high wizard, I should do a few more abortions. So I just found the right group in the party to find the group that did abortions. So you kinda work with the team with the high wizards, but you're not actually working with a high wizard, but you're on the team that does the abortions. So I did a few more abortions that way. And, you know, as I tell people, when I do talks, I travel the world giving my talks, and everyone at the abortion clinic is equally responsible for that dead baby. So obviously the abortion doctor and the abortion nurse are responsible, but the counselor that talked you into getting the abortion is responsible The receptionist at the front desk that took down your information and gave you your papers to sign is equally responsible. So is the security guard that's outside making sure that your cars are safe and not broken into and nobody brings a gun into the clinic. They're equally responsible for the death of that child. You know who else is responsible? The person that put on the new roof so that rain doesn't leak inside and get on the dead baby or the person that's outside doing the lawn maintenance that makes the place look nice and pretty. So you want to go in the building and get your baby killed. They are equally responsible for that dead child. So everyone's responsible whether you're killing the baby or just there helping it facilitate. So I was equally responsible with everybody else. Right. When I was 21 years old, I got this notice in the mail said that I was being called before the CEO and board of directors. I had to answer some questions. And I had also heard that some people that do that are never heard or seen from again. And I was like,
4: Oh, I ain't going out like no sucker.
3: So in Florida, there's a two week cooling off period to buy a gun. And my meeting was in three weeks. So I went and bought a six hour and a bunch of ammo. I don't know how many people there are gonna be there, but if everybody's armed, I want it to be an equal playing field. Right. So bunch of ammo, bunch of clips, nine millimeter, shoulder holster. I didn't have a concealed carry weapon license, but it was definitely a concealed carry. You know, and I was walking in there and I was like, I am armed and ready for bear. And instead, I walked into this room. They had this black curtain on the wall, and they pulled a cord, and the curtain slid open. And there's, like, nine costumes on the wall, nine variations of the same theme. And then they showed me the slideshow of all these different designs of face paint. And then you had uh, a wand or a cane you could take. And I took the cane because I thought the wand was kind of hokey, cheesy. And they gave me this light blue handbook, very hokey kind of handbook. And it says, High Wizard Handbook. And they're inviting me to be the new High Wizard. I'm 21 years old. At the time, I was the youngest High Wizard ever chosen. And sometime after me, they chose a 19 year old girl, but they gave me this handbook and I opened up the first page and there's little cartoon drawings in it. And the first page, it says rule number one, no one can
4: tell you what to do. Rule number two, refer to rule number one. almost like the rules of fight club yeah yeah kind of (laughs) so you know i was like this is the
3: job for me like no one can tell me what to do like people hire my satanic coven they pay them big money and then the high wizard is then hired to do this job Now, there's generally between two and five in the world, but the number could be as low as one or as high as 10.
4: And they choose who they want. You know, they pick the high wizard. Then they tell
3: you. And you're allowed to say no. You don't want to do it for whatever reason. You don't have to give a reason. You can just say yes or no. I only turned down one spell in my entire life though, because my feelings were, if you paid this kind of money, you deserve to get what you want. You know, I mean, if whatever it is that you're trying to get, you know, I had a guy that wanted to get, he owned a, what's the name of that? Range Rover. He owned a Range Rover company uh, distributorship, and it was together with a Porsche dealership. And he owned a really big one and there was another one in the city on the other side of the city and he kept trying to buy it so that he would control the entire city and that guy just liked to jerk him around and would act like he was going to sell it but then wouldn't and kept just just playing with it I think it was like a game to him
1: hmm.
3: and he said he wanted whatever it took for that guy to sell his business he wanted to do that whatever it takes
4: just do it so i did one i did a spell for that
3: and the guy died and his wife was ready to sell his wife was willing to do the deal but he wasn't did i kill him i don't know he died right after i did the spell right all I did was do a spell that would clear the way so that guy could buy something. It wasn't specific, you know, and the guy, it was timing, but coincidence could have been magic could have been, you know, what people don't realize is that for the devil to do something, he's got to get God's permission. So if he's going to kill somebody, he's got to get God's permission to do that. So sometimes it's not really that the magic spell worked. It's that Satan has insider information for certain things because God knows when everybody's gonna die.
4: Maybe Satan gets insider information and passes that along. And maybe it looks like you caused the person to die,
3: but in reality, that was their time to go. know, it's just kind of a, you know, there's a lot of mysteries in this world and that's one of them, right? Sometimes you just got to accept these things and move on because, you know, if you stay trying to ponder that, then you start going down some rabbit holes that sometimes you can't get out of. Oh yeah. We've all chased a rabbit hole and been sorry that we
4: did
1: it.
0: Yes, sir.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir so i get to
3: do this uh this high wizard gig then i found out that bohemian grove was a real place there's a lot of people that think it's only open one time a year it is officially open four times a year february may july and october if you have a billion dollars to blow you can go anytime you want but you got to take your own wait staff I got invited 18 times,
4: Um, the Illuminati runs that, Freemasons do the security for it. I really
3: think that, now I could be wrong about this, but I really thought that Alex Jones got permission to be there.
0: Yeah. I was just going to ask you that. Were you there when, when Alex Jones?
3: uh I I wasn't there I looked up when he was there I think it was 2003. okay so you (laughs) I I stopped being a high wizard in 1999. right okay and actually in March of 1999 so I didn't even make it to um cremation of care which is in July um but I really think that he got permission to be there because from where the security camera is hidden
4: it's up high. It's not
3: like they're not carrying it around in like a duffel bag or something. Right. It looks like it's too high. It looks like it's on the guy's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess it could have been in a cigarette pack in his pocket or in his hat, you know, but it just didn't seem like it was all that hidden. And I, to me it,
0: yeah, it always looks staged to me
3: security doesn't generally leave you alone and walk away to check on you they take you to a waiting area where there's security staff that doesn't let you go anywhere and then they take care of everything and then they come back and then they escort you off the property right you know so i mean he got to be let go like 3 times uh when he was hiding in the woods though and he's telling what he's seeing happening And he sees the guy get into the boat and cross the little man-made pond thing. Um, He describes a high wizard, you know, he's saying what he's looking at. He's looking at a high wizard because he describes the guy dressed in black with white paint on his face, I think with a hat on his head or something. And crossing this thing, you're crossing, you're in a a flat boat that's on a track, actually, You're, you're not. It, you're you're on water, but the boat is on a track. Okay, and then you use a, a long uh, stick pushing off the ground to go from one side to the other.
0: Um, is, does that pond represent the abyss?
3: I think it's just done for theatrics.
0: Okay,
1: all right.
3: You know, what I mean, and and it's on a track so that just in case you know you don't tip over and you don't push off and go off to the right or to the left. You go straight across. So I'm sure that back in the day when this was first done, they probably had some accidents or mishaps, you know, and somebody said, Hey, why don't we put this thing on a rail? Like, you know, when you go to an amusement park, you know, the boat actually isn't free floating. It's on a track, you know, that way it never goes the wrong way. You know, some genius thought,
4: hey, yeah, let's do that. Right. So, you know, but going
3: to Bohemian Grove the first time, they told me that every president at that time, every president except one had been put into office by the Illuminati. Hmm. It's never a mystery who the president's going to be because they know way in advance. One of the times that I was there, I saw Bill Clinton there. At that time i thought this is the nicest man i've ever met he was so nice and polite and genteel and like a true gentleman now we all know better than that now right you know at the time i mean this was like 1991 or 92. i didn't know that i just thought he was a nice guy split his cake with me had a good conversation
4: and then you know it's a men's only club and i saw hillary there and she got escorted off the property and um
3: at gunpoint and
0: uh yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of your story by the way <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I didn't know if you wanted me to go into detail of that or not
0: oh absolutely I, every time i I listen to it I, I I laugh, you know what I mean I am just like yeah i i kind of I, I don't want to sound mean or anything but you know, what what if, what if something did go the other way? <laughs>
3: you know I mean? Yeah, how would the world be different now? Exactly. Well, we heard, I'm sitting there eating a piece of cake next to Bill Clinton. And uh, I had been, well, to start that story off, just to get everybody to this point, I kept walking by this table. They're having uh, a barbecue. So all these table and chairs and benches are out and all these people, these politicians mainly, are out having food. As the high wizard, I'm doing a job there. I'm going to different groups. I'm generally not doing, I don't do a lot of magic there, but I pretty much take orders for magic. So, you know, I come to you, you tell me what you want. I give you a card, I give you a number to call. So you're gonna call this number and negotiate a price, and then they're gonna call me and tell me the person you gave said, this is what they want, and this is the instructions, and then I'm gonna do the spell, but I'm gonna do it later. So, but I'm traveling around to all these different people talking to everybody. And as I go, I'm passing this table that has this giant cake on it. It looks like it has about 12 layers on it. And I want a piece of that. All I want is a piece of that cake. But every time I go by, it now has 11 layers. And then it has 10 layers. And then it has nine layers. And I can't stop. I I can't stop and get a piece. And every time I go by and finally I go by and there's one layer left, it's the biggest layer. And I'm like, when I go by, I'm stopping. I don't care what's going on. I'm stopping, I'm getting a piece. When I come back by, I pick up a fork off the table, cake's gone. And I look around, there's only one guy sitting at the table eating. And it's Bill Clinton, but I'm not sure it's Bill Clinton because people look different on TV than they do in person. Right. And I walk up to him. I've got a fork in my hand. And I said, and he's eating the food that the main part of the food cake is just sitting there on a side plate. And I said, what are the chances that I could sneak a piece of that cake? Just one bite. And he says, uh, why don't you take half? take whatever half you want i'll take the rest so in reality i wanted the back half with all the icing and everything on it but you know i recognize you know you're being kind just giving me a bite so i'll take the first half so i took probably a little less than the first half and we're having a good fun
4: conversation and i asked him if he was bill clinton
3: And he said, yes, he was. And he shook my hand and uh, such a nice gentleman at that time. And then suddenly I hear a woman's voice and she announces that
4: I got all the papers signed. You'd be proud of me.
3: And she says a couple of other things. And suddenly my security staff is running at her with pistols pulled out yelling at her to drop to her knees drop 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 (laughs) you know and she's like got this look on her face like she's just pissed as hell like how dare you talk to me and this my guy runs all the way up to her pointing a pistol at her till it's right at her forehead, and he makes her drop to her knees and uh bill never gets flustered during all this time Like, you know, he's not in a panic about telling me that's my wife. He just
4: says that's my wife, that's Hillary. And, you know, I, my,
3: my guard is the one that's standing closest to me is laying on top of me, like, has me like pushed down and his security you know, he's got secret service with him and they're not really saying anything. You know, they've got a gun to his wife. His secret service isn't saying it. They're not stepping up. Like, oh, by the way, don't shoot her. No, none of that. And um, finally, you know, after some communication about who she is, why she's there. And that's another question. This place where we are, this was one of the places that Alex Jones filmed. Right. So this is like in the heart of the center. <laughs> How did she make it all the way from the parking lot to here? Like she's a female. She couldn't have gotten a ride. They wouldn't have given her a ride up the mountain.
1: Hmm.
4: And there's no driving up the mountain. So she had to walk. Yeah, that is crazy. Like that
3: and there's security out there. Like you didn't notice a woman walking, you know, nowadays you see transvestites everywhere, but back then that would have stood out. Right. You know, it'd been like, Whoa, what are you doing here? Even if it was a transvestite, it'd have been like, Whoa, what are you doing here? So, although that reminds me of another story I could tell you about Bohemian Grove, um, about something else that gets, that happens there. Um, so, security finally they they've told her that she's got to go and we're going to escort her down to her car and they're going to give her a ride down there and i you know i you know and they're they're asking me you know what do you want us to do and i said just get rid of her so they walk away with her and she's like armed the the guns are on her and she's being escorted away by like six guys and then i'm talking to bill and i asked bill
4: so um you want us to kill her or let her live he goes oh she's my wife i love her so you don't want her to die no okay
3: then you know explain about the cake and i gave him the last half of all the icing and you know all of that and then um one of my security guys runs back to me and i said yeah you forget something he goes uh we're having a argument down by the car. Uh, half the guys are saying that you said to kill her. And the other half are saying, you said to just take her to the car. You said, get
4: rid of her. And it's not clear what you wanted us to do. And I looked at Bill and he said, I love her. I said, okay, she lives. And he said, they're going to be so disappointed. (laughs) Okay, she lives. So he runs back. And yeah, it was like that close from
3: not having to deal with Hillary anymore.
0: Yeah, you would have changed history forever.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, things you don't know.
0: Yeah, true.
3: No, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, I uh, I let that go, but um, yeah, there's uh, there was one one of the times I was at Bohemian Grove, and this would have been also in the '90s. And let me see, let me see. I met Reagan there in '87. Hmm. I've never seen somebody look so uncomfortable in my life. Like, he looked like he truly did not want to be there, and uh, he had to pay
0: his dues though.
3: Right. Well, I mean, he got put there by the Illuminati. Right. Like I said, only one
4: president wasn't, and uh,
2: no which, one ever
0: guesses. Which president was that?
3: Take three guesses. Be bold. Come on. Uh, the original. The original. I'll tell you if anyone else has ever guessed it. Okay.
4: All but one. Um.
0: Was he assassinated?
3: No okay so it wasn't jfk uh and a lot of people guess that yeah carter yes
0: oh really yeah well he was pretty stupid so
3: (laughs) um when he ran the illuminati's perspective was no one's gonna vote for this redneck peanut farmer oh wow and so they didn't push their person and then he won so then after that They decided, well, now we're going to push our person like we've never pushed before. And, you know, Reagan took like every state but one. Right. So, you know, Reagan had to show up.
0: Do you think do you think that's how they were thinking when Hillary was running against Trump that nobody would vote for him or could it be vice versa? They wanted Trump in.
3: I don't think they were pushing Trump, you know, of all the times that I went there. I never saw Trump there. Hmm. And he was rich enough to be there. Right. You know, even on the off days, you know, if it wasn't the cremation of care, he still had the money to show up. You know, you don't have to be a billionaire to show up anytime you want. You could just have hundreds of millions. Right. You know, as long as you've got money to buy yourself into the Bohemian Club (laughs) and money to bring a support staff with you you know, and not leave it like you were there. You know, like they want it just as pristine when you leave as when you got there. Right. You know, if you've got the staff to do
4: that, however much money that is, you can go.
0: Did you ever see Jeffrey Epstein there?
4: No, but I have been, I was to his Island. Oh. And I've been on that plane at the same time as Bill Clinton.
1: Hmm. Shit,
3: i've also had other people on the plane that i didn't know and but the thing about the island though is that you know, like i watched the documentary on netflix mm-hmm. and in that they told about like he flew in two twin girls from france that were 12 years old and i mean they didn't show them but you know they talked about that and it entered they interviewed like a hundred different girls and showed how young a lot of the girls were. I didn't see any of that on the island. I saw every girl looked like she was, if I had to guess, I'd say they all looked old enough to drink. So they all looked at least 21 to about 30. Hmm. And, you know, yeah, they're all walking around and like next to nothing or nothing, but none of them looked underage. Like, I mean, I don't, I wasn't there You know however many years that place was there i wasn't there for years i would come in for like two or three days you know or a day you know i'm coming in because he wants a magic spell done or whatever but you know he's like i want a magic spell done enjoy my island for the day
1: right
3: you know you know you walk into this place and it's wall-to-wall naked chicks but you know they look like they're all old like i said old enough to drink old enough to be there Like they made a free choice to be there. None of them, nobody ran up to me and said, I'm kidnapped, can you fly me out? You know, can you rescue me? Can you help me? Can you do something for me? Nobody seemed, it didn't seem like they were desperate to get away. Everybody looked like they were having a
4: good time. You know, I'm not saying that none
3: of these people were victims, but they didn't look like, like the, the documentary presented them. As everybody was underage, you got everybody from high school or middle school. You
4: know, it didn't look like that.
0: Yeah. make you know, and like you said, you know, it, it might not have went on while you were there. You know what I mean? And, you know, it, nobody knows for sure, except for the people that were involved and and did witness whatever was going on. That was nefarious. Obviously, you know, they're, they're going to, hang themselves by a doorknob and we'll never know.
4: So speaking of hanging yourself by a doorknob,
3: do you think that Chris Cornell really committed suicide? No. Or do you think he was suicided out?
0: He was suicided out. Say as Chester Bedingfield and Anthony Bourdain and a few others.
4: Yeah, I truly believe that.
3: Now, do you think Jeffrey Epstein is dead? No. I don't think so either. Yeah, we got the same thing going here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we to show each other more often.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: So yeah. I also saw um, Obama there in 94. Mm. And that was an that was an odd meeting because uh, I was walking across the field. This was just before the activity started. At was like a week before. And we're walking every, there's a lot of people there. And the guy that's like the rector, so to speak, of the event is walking me along telling me, this guy needs your services. This guy says, he will never use you again. You know, this guy loves it. This guy wants you, this guy doesn't, this guy wants 10 things from you. And we're on a crash course, our group's heading this way going to cross with us is a black guy and a white guy walking together. And I'm thinking we're going to intersect now where no one else would give that a second thought. If you get too close to the high wizard and you're not supposed to be close to the high wizard, you could be tackled. You could be tasered. You could be shot. You could be punched. Something will happen to you that you don't want to have happen. Right. For me. I had to get up too early this morning. I haven't had coffee yet. I'm still groggy. This is going to be my first entertainment of the day. (laughs) I'm going to enjoy this. I have ex secret service walking with me. They love to taser people, right? They not only like to taser you with like a 1 million one baton, but they will also taser you with a gun that can shoot like 30 feet. Mm just for the hell of it hey watch this <laughs> you know then to watch the guy bam hit the ground so and this is entertainment for them so I'm thinking either one I don't care which one but we're going to intersect and you can't get close to me but as we're going he stops <laughs> me and says oh that guy in the jeans I'm like there's five guys in jeans white shirt There's three guys in white shirts, black shoes. There's two guys in black shoes. The thin one. okay. you could have just said that to begin with. There's only one thin one in the group. There he goes, Okay, well, that guy has a very important job for you, and he's desperate, and he wants to see you first before everybody else. So as we're there and that took a few minutes to go through, the black guy and the white guy walk right past and don't intersect with us. And then my guy goes, that black guy's gonna be
4: president someday. And I look and I said, no one voted for Jesse Jackson, or they vote for him. And he goes, he's being uh, groomed. He's gonna be he's gonna be president.
3: Now the guy he was walking with was George Soros.
0: Mm. Shocker,
3: and yeah, shocking, right? Yeah. Like you never saw that coming.
0: Look what he's doing in in Ukraine cr- right now.
3: <laughs> so uh, Soros, I knew because Soros I'd worked with before. So the other guy, I didn't know. You know, I told this in an interview a few years ago, and they're like, "Who is the black guy?" I said, "He's president now."
4: You know, and they're like, "Oh." So
3: I keep doing this. Now, I equate what I did as a high wizard to working in a candy store. Now, not a candy store in the mall, because that's too small. But every once in a while, I visit a state. I think Chicago might be one, but I I don't remember. On one of my tours, we saw a freestanding building that was a candy store. And I mean, it's gigantic. You walk in this place and it's like, a million different pieces of candy. Wow. So you've got shoes and hard candies and stuff with nuts and stuff with cream and um uh, just every type. And there's like a huge sugar-free section, you know. And so I equate my job as a high wizard and sinning, because as the high wizard, no one can tell you what to do. I can sin all I want. You know, we have this thing in the Catholic Church called an examination of conscience form. It's basically a Ten Commandments, but then it shows you in the subcategories, like thou shalt not lie does not just include lying. There's an entire subcategory underneath that of all the other sins that fall under that. You know, and thou shalt not kill is not just killing. There's a lot of stuff that comes under that. You know, thou shalt not have any gods before me you know that has a lot of stuff underneath it every one of the 10 commandments has subcategories well I didn't know about any of that but if I'd have been given one of those when I was a high wizard I would have gone through it like it was a goal sheet you know like let's see what else I can do today you know oh I've got those 10 things done let me go for these next 10 things right so I'm committing sins. Like you read about, like, this is my job. I'm having fun. I'm doing everything under the sun. I mean, I don't really need to do all the sex sins anymore. I mean, I was in child pornography for four and a half years when I was a child. So, and that didn't appeal to me when I was an adult having sex did not doing the child thing. That was disgusting. Right. So I'm looking at,
4: my first day as a candy store manager you're looking at a million types of candy how long will it take me to try every piece now not the licorice because no one wants that but
3: because there are some sins that are gross i don't want to do those but the sins i want to do how long will that take well after six months
4: you've had all the candy you wanted to try. And six months later, you've had the licorice too. So some of those sins you said you'd never do, you dipped your toe toe in the pool, tried it, it's, it's getting boring doing everything else now. And then, you know,
3: three years later, you're wondering how come your boss can't invent a new sin well, there's a new candy bar comes out. You're all excited because there's a new candy bar. There hasn't been a new candy bar made in the three years you've been there. You run up, you grab it off the wall, you rip that wrapper open, and it's the same old candy bar in a new wrapper. There's nothing new about it. Crack cocaine comes out. Oh my God, there's a new drug. We got to try that. Let's smoke some crack cocaine. You can make yourself a can out of a, a Coke, get yourself a lighter with an extra large flame. Here we go we're cooking smoke that up and when you're high as hell you then realize wait a minute this is still cocaine
1: right
4: it's nothing new i haven't invented a new drug i've smoked something that's been here since adam and eve were here so how come my boss can't invent a new sin How come there's no new sin under the sun you know after
3: seven years you know when i first started there were red lights on red wrappers and blue lights on blue wrappers and yellow lights on yellow wrappers and i thought the person that invented that idea was a genius and there were these red and white brightly lit tiles on the walls that matched the tiles on the floor But now after seven years i have to turn those lights off because those make me nauseous and the lights on the wall and the floor are now dull
4: and no matter how much you scrub them no matter what you scrub them with they'll never be as shiny as when you started this job sucks ass right i've been there for
3: seven years you know when i first got there i got to travel i got to go to bohemian grove i got to party with rock stars i got to go to rock to actors houses i got to go see billionaires i got to go see kings and queens and presidents and monarchs and the royal family and i got to hang out in mansions all across the world <coughs> and now seven years in
4: i have to travel i have to go to bohemian grove i have to hang out with billionaires i have to go to mansions i have to eat their food i have to take their drugs
3: i have to sleep with prostitutes i have to do all this stuff and this job sucks and it's not as much fun as it used to be i used to get to travel now i have to travel i used to get to do magic now i have to do magic when i When I got to do magic, it was fun. When I have to do it, it's a job. Jobs aren't fun.
1: Right.
3: You know, this is like the worst job in the world. You know, it's like, if I took enough drugs to get high, I'd die. If I drank enough to get drunk, my liver will shut down. You know, there's not enough sinning to make you feel good. It's like the more sin you do, the bigger the hole gets. The bigger the hole gets, the more sin you do. You know, And there's no
4: satisfying what you're doing. And then I had this job for 12 years. I did 146 assisted abortions. I helped split over a hundred churches. Now that's not destroying the church. Satan just wants it to split.
1: Right.
3: And, you know, when you split it, it causes people to quit and leave and lose their faith. That's all he wants. People to lose their faith. You know, in a perfect world. Yeah. We'd all worship the devil. This is based on the devil, but He's okay if you don't want to worship him.
4: He just doesn't want you to worship God. So if you're an atheist and you don't believe in Satan or the devil, he wins. You'll believe in the devil when you die. You'll also believe in hell. No atheists in hell. So I'm very tired of where I am. I've seen everything 10 times over and I'm tired of seeing it. I could turn down the prettiest woman in the world at this point, because I don't care. You know, I've seen more boobs than I care to. No one is attractive anymore. Nothing is pretty anymore flowers aren't pretty
3: anymore. I don't like anything. I certainly don't like myself. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like who I do it with. I don't like who I
4: work with, who I work for. And I
3: plot an escape. Now I know before this that the ways to get out, you can die, you can commit suicide, you can die of natural causes, you can be murdered. And all three of those options, I end up in hell. Hmm. Now I'm not a hundred percent positive that hell is real, but just in case it is, that's probably where I'm going. And I don't wanna go. So I plot an escape. Now at this point in my fake bank account, I have $87 million and that is washed like a hawk. In my real bank account, any given time, I had about $265. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. That is also watched. So I'm slowly pilfering money out of that. You know, like 10 bucks, 20 bucks here and there. Not every day, but every time I take it out, I have money that I really need, that I need to buy groceries with or pay a bill or something like that. And I try and do most of that with checks so we can see that official money is going out to do stuff. And then I take out money here and there, something that, you know, maybe I'm going out to a club that night or I go out with friends to eat or something like that. But in reality, I'm stashing that money at my house so that maybe in a couple of years I can escape and run away and have a good nest egg. But instead, after eight months, I couldn't stand it anymore. Once the plan got started, I was like, I got to go. So I eventually scheduled a doctor visit for three weeks. Three weeks out, and that was going to be my day. And from my house, you got jumped on the highway, drove to the last exit, and got off and went to the doctor. Well, I jumped on the highway and just kept going. I drove till I ran out of gas spent the night in my car on the side of the road. Next day I woke up, hitchhiked into town and then sold my car for scrap. So I had extra money, bought a Greyhound bus ticket to get into Canada. At that time, you didn't need a passport to get into Canada. And it was funny that I wanted to go to Canada because you know, Satan's there too. Right. If you look at it now, Satan's running Canada. Oh yeah. But uh, at that time, you know, For some reason, I had friends in Canada and they weren't Satanists. And I thought for some reason, maybe I could escape into Canada, hide, and maybe from Canada go someplace else. And um, so I tried to get into Canada and I got rejected at the border. And for no real reason, they just, you know, they randomly picked people to say no. And I was one of those random no's. So then I was driving back and I was, they gave me a bus ticket and my bus ticket, they said I could go anywhere in the United States I wanted to go. So I opened up an Atlas, closed my eyes and put my finger down thought, what does Satan want to tell me? Clicked and it landed on Oklahoma. And uh, so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to Oklahoma. And I just picked a, a town at random. I went to Broken Arrow. Didn't even know what that was. Now, let's go to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma a suburb of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Greyhound gave me a ride there. I ended up um, getting a job I lived off the grid for about a year. Then I got back on the grid, bought a car. And so after about three years of living there, tried to get into Canada again. And I got rejected at the border again. So And this time, I had a friend call me and said there was an entrance near Vermont that doesn't have a border guard there. And I was like, great, I'm heading that way. So I'm about two hours away from that border crossing, and I get super sleepy. Like, if I don't pull over, I'm going to crash the car. So I pulled over at a rest stop, and I took a nap. And I must've really needed that nap because when I woke up, it was the next day. It was the next morning. I'm like, I've only got two hours to go. I'll have breakfast when I get into Canada and I'm be bopping along, get to the border. And as I cross over, I get pulled over by a border guard. And he searches my car inside and out top to bottom. And while he's doing that, he's telling me his life story. And he tells me that he's been trying to get this job for three years. And today is his very first day on the job.
4: What are the chances?
3: God's got a sense of humor. Yep.
4: So I get rejected at the border. I am worth $18 and have half a tank of gas. And I drove
3: to Burlington, Vermont. Actually, I was on my way there. I didn't even know where I was heading. And I stopped at a rest stop to go to the bathroom and the rest stops were actually closed overnight. So I had to wait for it to open. And then I went to the bathroom and I met a guy in the bathroom and he was from Burlington and told me I I could follow his car and we could go to his house. And then he would hook me up with all the places I need to go. So I was about to be homeless. So I got hooked in with the homeless program there and my first day in town i got a job everybody was telling me it's impossible to get a job here no one's hiring and my first day in town i got a job at a place called nectar's um (laughs) it's a venue bar it's i don't know if you've heard of the rock band fish yeah but they used to have a residency at nectar's okay that's that's where they started was at nectar's so, I got a job there as a dishwasher. And I ended up, like, I was homeless for maybe a month or two. And being in the homeless program, they actually find you a place to live. And so, I had a dope place. There's no ghetto in Burlington, Vermont. It, it's a really nice place to live. Uh, super nice people. Uh, you know, there's like, I don't know, 19 colleges there or something, something insane is that the majority of the town is college students. And uh, so I got a job as the dishwasher when I first got there. Then I was a bouncer, which there they call all their bouncers dorman. And then I went from being a dorman to being head of security. And then from working there, there was a, a Polynesian nightclub uh, that opened up restaurant and nightclub called Kihiki Moon. And I moved over there and I was started off as head of security, and then I was a nighttime GM. And then from there, I went to work in retail, and I went to finish line, and then sunglass hut, and then piercing pagoda. And when I moved to Oklahoma originally, I couldn't do magic out in public. It's like the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Mm-hmm. So, you can't say you do magic. You can't say you worship the devil. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you couldn't say anything like that. You can't dress up like a Wiccan, go outside. I mean, you'd just be shot and hung or, you know, burn you at the stake or whatever. So, I mean, you've got to practice magic in your house with the door locked, in your private bedroom with the door locked, and no one can know. that like You can't even let it slip. Oh, by the way, I did a magic spell today. You know, and you think your roommate would just go, bam. No more magic for you. So, but when you move to Vermont, you see Wiccans and magic people, Satanists walking around on the street wearing their robes out in public. If you want to major, if you can go to college and major and learn to be a Druid or learn to be a Wiccan or learn to be a shaman, all those things you can go to college to learn how to do. Like, if you pick up a travel magazine for Burlington, Vermont, for vermont in general it'll tell you that it is the least religious state in the nation Mm. but by least religious they mean christian because there's lots of pagan religions there that you're allowed to do so i moved there and i'm able to practice magic out in public now i don't tell anybody oh by the way i'm the high wizard you know i keep that a secret and i keep a secret that i used to belong to the world's largest satanic coven but I'm able to practice magic. I've got friends there that are shaman or that are druids. And we practice magic together. I'm having a grand time because I'm addicted to magic. I can't stop that. So I'm still, I'm doing that. And I've got a lot of friends that are doing it. And then I get every job that I get, I'm always a manager. So I finish line, I was a manager in training. So you're above the assistant manager and below the general manager. Sunglass side, I was the general manager piercing the goat on the general manager. So I do a magic spell one night, next day I go to work. And this woman comes up and she wants to buy a pair of gold hoop earrings. And I present her with the perfect pair based on her description. She agrees, perfect pair, this is what she wants. We're about to close the deal. And she says, well, you know, actually, I'm in the mall shopping with my daughter. And when I'm done, I'll come back and I'll buy these. And she walks away and I smile and I say, okay. And most women that say that, I know what they're saying is, I'm gonna go find this cheaper someplace else. Right. But two things I know. One is that I work at Piercing Pagoda and you're not gonna find them cheaper someplace else. And two, you've got an honest face. I know you're coming back. So I put them up near the register, fill the hole, just busy myself. I knew she was coming back. Sure enough, three hours later, that woman comes back up. She smiles real big. I pull out the earrings. I had them right near the register. We do the transaction. She gives me money. I give her gold. Deal is over. I give her the receipt. On the receipt, we're having a promo right then. I said, if you call this 800 number on this receipt and take a survey, you might win $1,000. She goes, that's great. I've got something
4: for you, too oh no i know she's
3: gonna pull out a jack chick pamphlet tell me that i'm sinning and drop to my knees and beg for forgiveness and blah 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 all this stuff that i can't do because i sold my soul to the devil when i was 13. but here's where my stupidity did not kick in i've lived so long that i have told one of these evangelical types before I sold my soul to the devil when I was 13 and can't drop to my knees and beg for forgiveness. And I'm not going to read your Jack Chick pamphlet. And they followed me home evangelizing to me. So I know better than to do that. I know that whenever she hands me this pamphlet, I'm going to tell her I'm going to read it. I don't know if you've ever read one. They're basically like a mini comic book. When you first read it, they're kind of entertaining. Yeah. After you receive your 100th one, you get pissed off. You know, you're like, I don't care about this and you flip it in the face. But I know she's a nice lady. She made my day financially. I sold one pair of earrings, and made my day for the day. I'm good. I'll be as nice to her as she wants me to be. I'll take the pamphlet and I'll read it and then I'll toss it in the trash. So I stick my hand out for it, but instead of this Jack Chick pamphlet, She pulls out this little bitty gold, cheap colored piece of tin. I have no idea (laughs) what this is. This is odd. And then she says the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Now, remember that I partied with rock stars? You give somebody that can write a poem or a song, unlimited alcohol and drugs, and they will say some twisted stuff. Oh, I bet now if you wonder what twisted stuff they can say turn on your radio to a top 40 station and listen to a song Mm -hmm. hey just listen to the silly repetition the silly hooks the lines the things that they think are cool katy perry i kissed a girl and i liked it so what
4: that's news you know or
3: this was the example I like to give, like the number one song of 1999. I think "Bow to Bob" by Kid Rock.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Bow to Bob, the dang, the dang, diggy, diggy, up jumps the boogie. It's like that was your number one song. That was your breakout song. That's the top song you've ever done. That's the song that made you a rock god and a millionaire. Yeah. But really? Bow to Bob, the dang, the dang, diggy, diggy. Come on. You couldn't come up with something better. You know, I say that at my audience a lot of times and they laugh. And I say, We don't have any room to laugh. We made that song number one. Yeah. Not just for one week, but for like the year. You know, it's like he can go anywhere and be recognized because of that song. And yeah, he had some decent songs after that, but nothing topped that. So, what this woman said to me, to me, was stranger. Then bow to ba to dang to dang. She said, The Blessed Mother is calling you into her army.
4: And I thought, Isis? (laughs) Gaia? I I don't know who the Blessed Mother is. I grew up Baptist. I don't know if you grew up Baptist, but you know how many
3: titles we have for the Blessed Mother? Zero.
1: Right.
3: We have the name of Mary. What did Mary do? Well, she gave birth to Jesus. That's how we have Christmas. What else did Mary do? Well, in reality, she fled to Egypt with Joseph, but we never heard that story. And she turned water to wine at the wedding of Cana. But we never heard that story either because Baptists don't drink. I only heard that story when I became Catholic. I was like, this story is in
4: the Bible? Never got that story. (laughs) So, the Blessed Mother is calling me into her army. And I, I'm clueless as to that. And then she says, very powerful. Protestants don't bless anything. So
3: this woman represents some female deity cult. And I'm not interested. I've come from two big cults. Not really interested in this woman's cult, but you know, whatever. And I just kind of tune her out and I go to my happy place. And while I'm in my happy place, I start thinking, how do they all find me? There must be a big, giant neon sign above me that only crazy people can see. And it says, crazy people come here. And then there's an arrow pointing down to me.
0: That's exactly how I found you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I've been waiting for somebody to admit it. (laughs) Well, here's your first time.
3: (laughs) So um, you should remind me when I'm done telling my story to go back to Bohemian Grove and tell you about the the other story. Okay. And I think you'll be interested in it. So um, I'm just pretty much tuned around because, you know, I'm thinking you got gold. I got money. I made my day financially. This was win-win.
4: Why are you still talking to me?
3: And eventually I tune her back in because she hasn't walked away yet. She's still talking away. And I mean, she's happy. She's just like thrilled to death, but I don't even know why. I tune her back in and she says again, now what she's given me is called a miraculous medal. It's a blessed miraculous medal. And she's telling me how powerful it is.
1: Mm,
3: no. No, I'm not going to accept her powerful medal as far as it being powerful. Let's go back to I was a high wizard. And there was between two and five in the world, but the number could have been as low as one. Out of seven billion people, I could have been the only one high wizard. That's a power trip and a half. Yeah. And I've got the magic power. My magic was 91% accurate. <coughs> So if I did a magic spell, say there's a hundred people and I did a magic spell against a hundred of them to die,
4: 91 of them are gonna die.
3: Now that never happened, but it's just an example. So you're trying to tell me this worthless piece of gold colored tin
4: is powerful. This isn't powerful.
3: There's no power to this. There's no mystique to this. I'm going to take this in my hand and I'm going to feel of it. I'm going to feel there's nothing in it, nothing to it. And then I'm going to basically tell her that her God, whatever it is, whoever that is, is worthless. And I'm going to toss it on the floor or slam it on the counter and tell her there's no power to this. This can do nothing to me. This can't touch me. And I'm going to give it back to her. And if she gets offended, that's fine. And if she wants to return the gold and get her money back, that's fine too. And if she wants to call, I'm the store manager. So to get higher than me, you've got to call the regional manager. But if you want the regional manager's number, I'll give it to you. And you can call her and complain and tell her that I was rude because I make my days, my weeks, my months, my quarter, and my year. No other manager in my region is that good. And my manager is never going to believe that I was rude to anyone. She's going to think you got offended because of his tie. You were just having a bad day. You found out you had cancer today and you took it out on my manager. You know, there's some issue like that going on. It's not a real problem with him. I've got two, he's making too many days for that to be a real issue.
4: So she hands it to me,
3: she's all happy to hand it to me. And I take it in my hand and I clench my fist because I'm all ready to tell her these things, except that when I clench my fist, my store completely disappeared and my mall completely disappeared. And I'm standing in a darkened void and it's just me and this woman, her name is Marianne Wickman, And she starts telling me about the magic spell I did last night, and that's of the devil. And I've split over a hundred churches, and that's of the devil. And I've done over a hundred abortions, and that's of the devil.
4: And she lists about eight or nine other sins that I've done. And after everything, she says, and that's of the devil.
3: Now, I at first wanna just drop this medal well, what happens if I drop it and I fall through this darkened void and I can't find my way back? I'd also like to attack her with magic, but let's go back to, I might've been the only one high wizard out of 7 billion people. My magic could not give somebody a worthless gold colored piece of tin, transport both of us to a darkened void and me know all their sins. Her magic is stronger than my magic. And I was the high wizard. (laughs) I'm terrified of this woman. This woman could not only kill me, she could destroy me. I don't know what to do. I'm in a panic
4: state. I'm sweating, I'm scared, I can't move, and I'm trapped. I don't know
3: where to go. My boss is not helping me. And she says again, the Blessed Mother is calling you into her army. And it had to be a grace from God. I instantly knew that was the Mother of God. A very strange statement for a former Baptist. I mean, we'd rather shoot ourselves in the face with a shotgun than say Mother of God. Right. And as soon as I realized it was the Mother of God, Mary showed up. She smiled at me and it was a smile I knew I did not deserve. I was acutely aware of my 146 assisted abortions. She took me by the hand and she turned me around. Divine Mercy Jesus was standing behind me. I didn't know what Divine Mercy was. I had these rays of light shooting around me and under me and over me and through me. And instantly I knew that I had not sold my soul to the devil when I was 13 years old. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I knew all my magic, my occult, my new age, and my Satanism was false. And I knew everything Catholic was truth. The Blessed Mother told me that my job was to help her end abortion. And I opened my hand and I was back in my store back in my mall. This woman, Mary Wickman, still talking to me. She tells me where she goes to church and gives me the address. And her daughter comes up to the counter and she says, "Will you go out to the truck, bring this man one of each of everything. She's like, okay, and she runs out to the truck. Now I wasn't Catholic yet, so I didn't know what one of each of everything meant. And we stood there and we talked for a while longer. While we're talking, she says that she works for Father Joe Whalen in the St. Raphael Healing Oil Ministry. He's the busiest priest she knows. She's the personal assistant, and he doesn't even have time to talk to her. While she's talking to me, her cell phone rings. She looks at it and she goes, this is Father Joe, I've got to take it. I was like, yeah, you just explained all that, go ahead. Now, at this time, Father Joe was starting to go deaf. So when he talked, he talked like everybody else was going deaf. And she takes the call. She's like, and I could hear everything that he was saying. She said, Father Joe, what can I help you with? Can they hand the phone to the young man you're talking to? She's like, certainly, Father Joe. Here you go. So she hands the phone to me. I'm shaking like Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) I take the phone. I'm like, hello? Welcome to the faith. Hand the phone back to Marianne. So I hand the phone back to Marianne. We get two more phone calls like that. Her daughter comes in with a paper grocery bag. Bill to the top, pamphlets and brochures. Why do Catholics do this or why do they believe that? Catholic Bible and like 125 <laughs> Lighthouse Catholic media discs. And then I went home after work, walked in the door. My wife was doing the dishes. And I said, Guess what, honey? I'm Catholic now. And she was like, Oh my God, of all the things you could be, why in the hell would you do that? But then the next day she went to mass with me and is my first time ever going and at the consecration of the host, I saw Jesus, but I thought everybody in that room. I thought if you were Catholic. You saw Jesus. I just thought everybody saw the same thing. And I turned to my wife and I said, Do you see that? She's like, what? Said that man, she says, that's the priest. I said no next to the priest that other guy she goes no i didn't see it I'm like, you didn't see it because you're not catholic but then i found out later that no i was the only one that was seeing that and then i found out there was a place called perpetual adoration where you could go see jesus anytime and i was like is there a sign-up sheet for that do i have to like sign my name up and then when the time comes i can then get in to see it like they call me and tell me i can come. And they're like no you can just go anytime i was like no way there's a line to get in to see elvis and he's been dead 40 years <laughs> so we go shock number one we're the only other car in the parking lot shock number two there's no line to get in shock number three we walk in the chapel it's me and my wife some strange woman and jesus this woman looks at us like a deer in the headlights and then packs her stuff as fast as she can go. If this was an Olympic event, she got gold. <laughs> and she said, you can't leave till someone else comes in. And bam, she's out the door. Uh, why would I leave? I'm in a room with Jesus. So that become like my favorite place to go. I would hang out there anywhere from 30 minutes to 18 hours a day. Wow. When St. Raphael was looking for me as spiritual director, My spiritual director my first visit said i at least needed a deliverance and i might need an exorcism and i took that back to my priest and he said well you're hanging out in front of jesus for 18 hours a day no demon would be willing to do that he says "And i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that whatever demon was with you when mary and jesus showed up they got the hell scared out of them so I'm going to say you're not demon-possessed because I'll perform a deliverance on you. I had a satanic gift at that time, but I didn't know it was satanic. I thought it could have been godly, but apparently it was satanic because after I got the deliverance, that gift was gone. So my first spiritual director was Father Anthony Gramlich. He's the rector of the National Shrine of Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. For those of you that don't know about Divine Mercy, it's Divine Mercy Sunday is the Sunday after Easter. Easter is coming up in three weeks, so Divine Mercy is in four weeks. Um, I officially, I was given the Blessed Miraculous Medal, started going to Mass in January of 08. I officially came into the church in May of 08. And since then I've done, I'm gonna estimate 150 interviews and we have what's called a curriculum vitae or CV. It's a resume for speakers. It has every interview I've ever done and every talk I've ever given. I've got 24 items per page and I'm on page 16 right now. So I've been doing this for a minute. I started talking in my first ministry was uh, St. Raphael. And in that I learned to be a catcher and learned to just talk to people. And then officially working with my own ministry, I started in October, 2011. So I've been going from that till now. Uh, My most recent talk was a month ago. I gave six talks in three days in Washington, Maryland, and West Virginia. And uh, I've got some potential other talks coming up this year It's a very fun job working for God. And uh, at some point I needed to look up um, names of ministry. So I had to start my own ministry. And uh, so, you know, trying like I took Benedict as my confirmation name, but I also found out about Padre Pio. And then I found out about, you know, Blessed Mother. I mean, she's rescued me from, from the pit of hell. And, you know, divine mercy, Jesus, and, uh, and then there was blessed Bartolo Longo, blessed Bartolo (coughs) Longo used to be a regular guy, then he became a Satanist, then he became a satanic high priest, and then he became a Catholic priest. And then he was worried that he was going to go to hell because he had been a, a, a satanic high priest and the blessed mother came to him in a dream and told him that anybody that propagates my rosary will not go to hell. So then he built a Basilica in Pompeii to the Basilica of um, the Holy Rosary. So um, I'm thinking he went that extra mile, so he's probably not burning right now. And uh, so, you know, but the, the Blessed Mother, Blessed Bartolo Longo, Saint Benedict, Padre Pio ministry doesn't roll off the tongue. So, and because we're all about inclusiveness in this country, or inclusion, I thought All Saints. So I named my ministry All Saints Ministry. Like I said, my Vitae is 16 pages long. I do this quite a bit. I have quite a bit of merchandise, CDs, and DVDs telling you about my life or things that are stupid that you shouldn't do that I did or how to get out of things. I've got probably over 100 videos on my YouTube channel. My website is allsaintsministry.org um you can look me up and go directly that way on my youtube channel or you can go to my website on the front page on the left hand side of the banner is a link i've got interviews on there and i've also got a lot of you know how to do this or not do that or you know just things that are stupid that you shouldn't try Um, a couple of fun videos as well. We've got, if you're watching this, you should watch uh, the toilet paper study. That was the funnest video I've ever done. And I'm not going to give you any details on it. It's just a fun video that I did recently.
4: Um,
0: I'll have to check that one out. I think I came I came across it the other night but I for whatever reason I didn't play that one. <laughs> so I'll have to I'll have to go check that one out.
3: I made 9 videos in like two of two days I think and that was one of them. And all the other ones are like instructional. That one is just a fun video and of the 9 videos, I think that one has more hits on it than anything else. Oh cool. And uh Yeah, I'd love to tell you the whole thing now, but, you know, I want you to go see the video.
0: Right. It's a good teaser for everybody.
3: Right. So let me tell you that the extra story from Bohemian Grove. Okay. So remember, it's a male only place. Mm -hmm. Only men are allowed there. Now there you have occasionally have rock stars. (laughs) Uh, You have a lot of gay um, prostitutes and you also have um, porn stars. And you have gay sex acts happening, which is very strange because there's a lot of people from like, you know, both sides of the both parties are there. Right. The Republicans make a strong showing there. You know, there's all this gay stuff happening all around them and they don't seem to mind. Mm -hmm. Really, they don't seem to even as beyond. They don't seem to mind. They seem to enjoy it. You know, and then it's like, you know, if you got to go to the bathroom, just go pee on a redwood tree. You know and everybody's okay with you know i'm flashing my penis now being out in public you know nobody has an issue with that either so knowing that it's an all-male event there are these buses that show up these buses are actually allowed to park near the top near where everybody is there's an area for them to go and when they park there's a banner that comes out on the side of one of the buses,
4: and it says "Lolita Boys."
3: Hmm. Never wonder what a Lolita boy is.
0: I know what the Lolita Express is.
3: Okay, well, these are called Lolita boys, and uh, you're not allowed to talk about it anymore. We already had our moment in the sun with Epstein, right? So, um, so we've got these guys that are there. They're young-looking. Mm-hmm. And they dress in two different modalities. You either have they either have an, a Native American theme. So they'll be wearing moccasins on their feet. And then they have a
4: loincloth and a thong going up their butt. And then they have uh Native American bracelets <laughs> on their wrists. And then they have a, a Native
3: American necklace on and a a sheep's not a sheep, like a a skin vest, but it's not closed it, it's open, so it's showing their chest, and then they wear a headdress that has like two feathers in it, sometimes one feather, and they've got war paint on their face, and none of them I don't think are Native American i mean there's usually the most of them look white or maybe italian
1: okay
3: um They've got a slight tan. Some of them are very white,
4: but they're all slightly built boys. Like all the, it's all the participants are all men. These look like they're between ten and thirteen years old, maybe fourteen. So they're all showing their butt cheeks. They're all showing their bare chests. They're all smooth and hairless. And that's what you're looking at. And there's
3: probably 10 to, as depends on how many they can get. The smallest amount of them I've seen is about seven. The biggest amount I've seen was a little over 20. These guys walk around carrying trays. Now they on occasion have drink or food on them but usually they carry messages. Okay. So they're carrying messages from one part of the camp to another and they're running across the camp carrying this and it has a little covering on it so it doesn't blow away, I guess. Then when they get to the right person, they take the lid off, they announce what they're doing and they hand you the message and then you can send something back or you can just read it and then they're done with their job. Now, the other way that they dress is in... They have black shoes that are very shiny, white socks that have pearls on them. Um, again, a loin cloth that's black, that has a thong going up the butt. Then they're wearing a black, like a tuxedo jacket, but again, it's not closed, it's open. Uh, they have a black tie on, oh, and they have cufflinks. So they have cuffs, they have white cuffs with cufflinks, but there's no shirt. And again, you can see that these boys are hairless and smooth. And again, they look like they're 10 to 13 or 14, with the majority of them looking like they're about 13. But we're at one of these events, it's probably my second one or third one. It's
4: in the 80s. And I noticed that this boy is he's dressed
3: like the native American and he's, been, he's standing up, but he's bent over and he's messing with this guy's socks and pants. And I don't know what he's doing, but I'm looking at his butt from behind and it just catches my attention because it looks like a
4: girl's butt. Now, I don't know why
3: that is, I don't know what's different about a girl's butt than a boy's butt, but it looks like a girl's butt. Hmm. Now I'm going to say that my level of expertise comes from being informed porn right. and seeing it all the time, but I I don't know if that's it. Or what
4: it is, I just know that that is a girl's butt. So
3: when that guy finishes messing with that adult's pants and he's walking past me, I said. Meet me in my trailer. And, you know, I give him a card of which trailer is mine. And he agrees to meet me there. Uh, they can't turn me down on the High Wizard. Right. And he doesn't know what I want. And so later I pick up some food and some drinks and I take him to my trailer. And then my security guard opens the door, sees who it is. He walks out, holds the door open. This guy comes in and my security guard asks, do you want me to come in? I said, no, you can wait outside. He's like, okay. And he closes the door. I offer this guy some food or drink. He turns both down. And I said, I wanted to ask you some questions. And he says, well, I can't answer everything. I said, yes, you can. So do you know who I am?
4: And he says, well, you're the high I said, wizard, yes, hi, wizard. Is it right? Said, you can answer anything that I ask? I said, are you a boy? And he says, I appear to be. I said, all right, we're gonna play
3: this game, are we? How old are you? Old enough. How old is that? Now I finally pinned down, this took about a half an hour. I pinned down that he was 19 years old.
4: I also had him stand in front of me, and I
3: lifted the loincloth. Under it is a pouch holding, apparently, equipment. And when he bounces up and down, this equipment bounces up and down. But I grabbed the equipment, and it was foam.
4: There was nothing in it. And when I pulled down the equipment, there was a vagina behind it. It was a girl. It looked like a girl's butt because it was a girl's butt. Right. And she'd had injections so her breasts didn't grow. Oh, my God.
3: And she was paid to look like this. She's of legal age. This is the thing. She's of legal age. All the girls out there are supposed to be of legal age. So they're all at least 18
4: they've had injections or surgery so that they don't grow breasts. Most of the stuff I understand was done with laser. So it doesn't leave scars Hmm. and they are not supposed to tell that they're girls
3: and they service the men out there orally or anally. And don't let the men touch their equipment in front because they don't have any equipment in front.
4: That's weird.
0: It almost and that, when you're describing it, it almost sounds like something from Peter Pan, like the way they dress. I could see that.
4: But so the men, this is the thing that gets me.
3: This is like, I don't know how, um, how explicit I can say something on your, your show.
0: You, you have full free speech.
3: Well, this is a full on mind fuck <laughs> because as an adult man, you think you're having sex with a 12
4: year old boy.
0: And yeah, that's why that's gross. Well, that's
3: gross anyway, yeah. but you think you are, but you're really having sex with a 19 year old girl. It's like there's a joke being
4: played on everybody involved.
0: Weird. Like
4: it's like
3: I don't understand what I, I there's a rub going somewhere and I don't understand it.
0: Yeah. Like like they're making fun of what they really want and will be they're like, oh here, here you go, here here's your desires. And then they're sitting back laughing at, at these people partaking in this like these dumb fucks you know what i mean
3: it's like you think you're getting a 12 year old boy but you're really getting a 19 year old girl and then does the guy doing it does he feel guilty because he's having sex with an underage boy right even though he's not is he now walking around with guilt for the rest of his life or is he lusting after more 12 year old boys because He's having sex with one of them, but he's really not. It's like the whole thing is so twisted.
4: And it's like, how could people not see this as the work of the
0: devil? Yeah. Deception at its finest.
3: Yes. that The, the entire situation is deception. Everything about it is twisted. You know, regardless of whether it's a boy or a girl, it's twisted. Mm-hmm. You know, and the knowledge of it, you know, like how many people know? Because talking with the girl I was talking to, she said that even you know, all the girls
4: know that they're all girls. But the bus driver doesn't know he thinks they're boys. Hmm. All the men that are that are quote unquote hiring them think they're boys. Hmm. And if they found out they were girls, they couldn't be there because there's no girls allowed. Right. Now on the no girls allowed part, was Big Mike ever there?
0: Michael Obama.
3: <laughs> no, i I never say I never saw Michael Obama there either. Gotcha.
0: Um I did have uh, just a couple questions. Um, you were in the pink video, am I, am I correct? Um, no, it wasn't me or wasn't you, but it was,
3: it, it is a high wizard, high wizard.
0: Okay. Cause I remember, I remember watching that after hearing the, the episode, uh, for, you know, the first time. And I was like, wow, man, I, I never realized how they put that, you know, right in there. you know, I, I would have never known unless I, I had heard your interview that that's what yes. that was representing.
3: There's also uh, a still photo of pink on the red carpet standing right next to a high wizard. Mm. If you look that up online, it shows up as there's a ministry in Spain and they interviewed me in 2016 and
4: they have that picture on their website. Wow. You also mentioned in
0: uh, an interview, you would give out coins. Um, And I remember one one part of the story, you were skateboarding and and you gave one to a little boy or, or some kid that was like, you know, there, but you also gave, I don't know if it was necessarily a coin, but you gave something to a dude that had barely any talent, was fat, couldn't sing and became famous
3: yeah okay so the, the high wizard coin yes um, it's a gold coin it has a picture of a top hat and a wanderer cane that goes across it on one side and says hw on the other side uh we have silver coins and <laughs> gold uh when we're at events we would throw out handfuls of the silver coins just like a little token you know that anybody can get but get the gold coin you can take that up to another high wizard and get whatever you want and you could give it to the same high wizard that just gave it to you but you know we usually tell you take that and think about what you want decide make it make an informed decision and then you know contact one of us and get whatever you want you know i i gave bill clinton one because He gave me the cake and gave me good conversation.
1: Hmm.
3: And uh, I didn't understand when he called his in, he just wanted a girl. It was like, dude, you're Bill Clinton. You can get anybody you want. Yeah. And I guess the girl was telling him, no, he wanted, you know, can you get me this girl? And he didn't come to me. He came to a different high wizard, but they gave him, you know, what he wanted. You know, he got whatever the girl that was. Right. Um, the kid on the skateboard was on Venice beach and he was skateboarding all around on a longboard, but he was doing stunts on it. And I asked if I could, um, try out his board and he just gave it to me and told me to go ahead. So I took off on the board. My security had to run beside me or at least try and keep up, (laughs) you know, to stay with me, which must've been entertaining to watch and uh so i tried a couple of stunts i wasn't as good as a kid but i rode around for probably 20 minutes and then came back and uh came back his board and i said what can i give you and i pulled out my wallet he said i'll take a coin and i said what kind of coin and he said gold coin so i mean obviously he dealt with a high wizard before right and, uh, so yeah, I gave him one. I don't, he never called it in on me, so I don't know
4: what he got. Um, was, there was another cause brought up another example, but I don't remember. Um, the
0: music star.
3: Oh, the, the music star. Yeah.
0: My wife and I have been racking our brains as, <laughs> forever. Um, I don't know what year uh, or decade it was. Nineties. Nineties. Okay. So we were completely off because she first said, oh, it was probably meatloaf. And I'm like, no, meatloaf came out long before that.
3: Meatloaf had talent.
0: Yeah. And uh, I've never seen
3: meatloaf dance. So I don't know what that looks like. But
0: Right. Are you, are you, are you still beholden to silence on that or?
3: I can tell you that it was, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the two bands that he could have been in. Okay. And you just have to decide which one you think it is. All right. You want to talk about it off the air, not on, not being recorded. Yeah. I'll tell you the guy's name. Okay. But, but this will be the the first interview, I think, where I've mentioned the, the band it could have been. Okay. It was either Backstreet Boys or NSYNC.
0: Okay. I know who I, Okay. I have an idea. (laughs) So, uh, wasn't even, I didn't even think that I was thinking more rock, but okay. Yeah. All right.
3: I mean, he couldn't sing, he couldn't dance, he couldn't rhyme, he couldn't even make. We had, I don't know why it was there, but there was a Dr. Seuss book there. And he started reading the Dr. Seuss book. I asked him to read the Dr. Seuss book, and he read it, and just before it would have rhymed, he closed the book and said, I don't
4: get it.
1: Huh.
3: Wow. And I, th- I thought that this this is stretching Satan's abilities.
0: Yeah. I have one last question, and this is only because it's my all-time favorite band. Uh, it's kind of where I got the name for the podcast. Um, have you had, when you were the High, high Wizard, did you have any... Interaction with the band tool or Danny Carey, the drummer. Okay. Or are you able or not allowed to answer that? I mean, that kind of put you on the spot a little bit because Danny's into Philema, Philemic magic and stuff like that. So I wasn't quite sure.
3: Here's the, uh, I had to study that kind of magic when I was, I wasn't,
4: we, we studied basically you learn that all magic comes from the same place so really if you want your magic
3: to work you just have to embrace the devil and do whatever you're going to do that's what it comes down to but the way i explained the bands that i worked with if you were famous previous to 1987 then i may have gone to your concerts but i didn't sign you okay you were already famous but if you were famous between 87 and 99 and that's when you got famous, I probably signed you. Now the two bands that I know that were not signed, but still made it big. And because, and the reason I say this is because every month at the beginning of the month, we're given a sheet. Now they already know for the entire month where we're going to be
1: mm-hmm.
3: every, town every city every state every country wherever we're going to be it's on a sheet so they line that up with all the concerts that are in those same cities at the same time as you're there any place you want to go any band you want to see check it off so that when you're there and whoever's playing there is there you get to go backstage okay your limo takes you to the limo spot where the buses are your your escort you know your security team escorts you backstage and you get to take drugs with the band eat with the band party with the band sometimes you get to leave with the band and go wherever they're going to go party at their hotel or whatever so you're hanging out with the band the whole time sometimes you don't want to go see the band sometimes barry manilow is coming to town you're not interested
1: right
3: so or as my dad used to call him barely man enough (laughs) barely man enough was coming i wasn't interested gotcha but the two bands that i really love to go see the two bands that i saw more than anybody else i saw metallica four times and i had to pay every time Mm -hmm. and i saw pink floyd four times and i had to pay every time Mm. you're the high wizard and they signed with you you get in free
1: right
4: and I didn't get to get in free with either one of those bands, so
1: that says something,
4: so they got famous on their own merit
1: hmm.
4: well, when good. when when was Taylor, <laughs> when did they get their start
0: uh, early nineties
3: chances are good then,
0: yeah because uh I think uh right around ninety 90- three is when they really came on the scene and just started
3: running after that. But there's also, there's bands that, <laughs> and I tell people that I signed about 1200 bands. There's bands that I've heard that came out during that time that I never heard of. Mm. Now it could have been that they didn't have a band name when I signed them. Yeah, I could have signed an individual person that said, you know, one day I hope to be famous. Right. Okay sign right there but you know the main thing you know i give that as an example sign right there that's not really how it happens um we go to what's called a warehouse deal it's a huge warehouse they happen in hollywood and los angeles everybody hears about it usually you hear about it from your publicist or your your director your producer a friend another rock star and you go to this place and I mean, you can come and set up with all your gear if you want to, because some people do. And they play for me, which is okay, but I don't really care. Um, Some people are just standing around. I walk into the room. I am dressed like the high wizard, and I announce who wants to be famous, who wants to be a rock star. Now, it's not just rock bands. It's rap bands, country stars, you know, whatever. Whatever it is, that's fine. And, you know, whether you have a band or you're an individual, whatever it is, you know, Satan is there to please. And, you know, everybody says they want to be famous. So then the next question is, what are you willing to do to be famous? You know, most people say they would do anything. That's when you put them on the spot and say, what do you mean by anything? Because most people have a line in the sand they draw. Right. You know, like, well, I would do anything but nothing with animals and nothing with kids. I walk away from that person. Satan doesn't want you. Satan wants the person that's willing to jump in the mud and be drugged through it. Right. If I ask you, you know, like some people say, I would do like this guy that can't sing or dance or rhyme. When you say anything, what do you mean by that? give me an example you know and he's like take me to a bestiality farm and let me have sex with a horse and a
4: dog and a child and i'll do it okay here's a tier two card it's a white card with
3: a phone number on it you call that number meet them where they say do what they say to do six months i'll see you on mtv
4: he took the card. About six months later, I saw him on MTV, singing and dancing. <laughs> Unreal.
3: And it was, it was, like I said, 1200 rock stars that I saw do that. You know, so when you hear about a rock star wrapping their car around a tree or hanging themselves from the kitchen, you know, or whatever it is, or whatever crazy way they come to kill themselves, and you're wondering, you've got everything. Why would you do that? Well, because you don't know what they had to do to get to where they are
1: mm-hmm.
3: and there's no amount of alcohol and drugs that helps you forget. You know it's like, I was in porn for four and a half years. Now, I got out when I was sixteen. i'm fifty five. You know, you'd think that in 40 years, I'd have forgotten some of that stuff. That would be nice, but I haven't. Right. You know, there are times when I wake up when I feel like I'm having a heart attack and I'm covered in sweat and in the dream, I'm doing something that I did when I was 12, but in the dream, I see my reflection and it's me now so i'm 55 years old having sex with somebody that i did when i was 12 and i'm trying to stop i'm trying to wake up i'm trying to get help to what's going on and i'm surrounded by demons laughing at me and i can't stop and i can't wake up and when i finally do wake up i feel like i'm having a heart attack and it is the worst place in the world to be
4: And i've done a lot of drugs since then and a
3: lot of alcohol and i'm not forgetting
0: right well it's a form of ptsd as well you know what i mean you're not you'll never shake it um right unfortunately
3: but uh so you know so you've got these people that you know you've got lady gaga out there you know (laughs) things that she tells a story about selling her soul through the illuminati And now she thinks that's why she's got all the body pain and everything she's got, Mm -hmm. you know, but she's out there. She just told everybody that she got rich through the Illuminati. That's how she got famous. So now everybody knows, Hey, that's a real story. I can go find the Illuminati and get famous. Right. Zachary King said a warehouse deal. I got to find a warehouse deal.
0: Well, she's, she's really close with, uh, Maria Branovich. Right. Yeah. Very close. Like she's, she's like her little understudy,
3: right. You know, and she did an interview where she said, well, you know, if it's done in a coven, it's satanic witchcraft, but if it's done in a, in a museum, then it's art. Yeah. I said, well, wait a minute. Let me think about that. If you go to church, if you go to a Catholic church and you attend a church service, it's called a mass. Mm -hmm. If you have that same church service done at your house. It's called a mass. If yeah. you have that service held on a boat, it's called a mass. Mm-hmm. No matter where you do it, it's called a mass. So I'm thinking you're full of shit. It's a satanic coven thing, no matter where you are. And it's witchcraft, no matter where you are. Right. You know, lo- Satan was a liar and a murderer
4: from the beginning. So are you lady.
0: hmm. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we uh, we wrap things up?
4: Uh, let's see. I've covered that you can't sell your
3: soul, which is what I try and stress. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Protestant and thinking about converting, not just you, but anybody listening, right? Um, contact me. I can show you how to convert. Um, if you're not interested in converting, but you do have questions, because... I know that us and Protestants do things differently. I'm here to explain anything, any questions you might have. I, I know that some of the things that we do seem crazy to you and I can maybe help them make sense. You know, it, you gotta think to what does Satan want among the Catholics and the Protestants? He wants division, he wants us to fight. He doesn't want us to get along because unified, we can defeat the devil.
0: Yep. And you can apply that to the government as well.
3: That is true as well.
0: And that's not, not just American government. Government all over the world. Right. You know, it's ran by very few individuals. So,
3: yeah, And they're in the Illuminati.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I thank you for coming on. This was...
0: Such a pleasure, you know what I mean. Like I, I felt like I, I didn't ask very many questions, but it was, like I said, your story is just so fascinating. You know, I'm just sitting here, like a listener. You know what I mean, listening again and again and again. And, um, but the honor was all mine to, to and to have you on. I, it, such a pleasure, and finally got to sit down and and talk with you. And I do have one last question that I forgot to ask you. Um, do you still have any of those gold coins? No. No. And they the that former coven doesn't like come try and mess with you or anything like that?
3: Um, I get enough. I mean I get a lot of satanic attack. I get Mm -hmm. demonic stuff happens to me sometimes. Um I don't know how much of what I'm going through health wise is God just letting nature take its course and how many of it is how much of it is satanic attack. I mean, I'm, um, I'm blind. Um, I'm diabetic. Um, I lost my right foot. So that's amputated. Um, I'm on dialysis. Mm. You know, and despite all this, I still travel, I still do my talks,
0: right?
3: You know, I'm healthy enough to, to still do stuff. You know, I'll be hopefully walking within a year um so i'll be back to walking but you know i have a blind man cane when i'm out i don't travel with a bodyguard very often
4: uh you know i I say
3: that if you're close enough to do harm to me you're close enough for jesus or mary to touch you Mm, very good point
0: Well, again, thank you.
3: You and know, I also think that if I was trying to hide, well, who else is hiding? Yeah, Satan. true. Satan.
0: And they can't really touch you if you're out there talking about it. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it, it just proves, it 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 validates everything that, you know, right. you say. So,
3: Well, speaking of that, I was at an exorcism, um, I work with exorcists around the world and i was in florida at an exorcism and so in the room is the people that are there for muscle in case the person gets rambunctious and starts attacking the priest there's two priests assisting and then there's the exorcist then there's the guy being exorcised, and myself i'm sitting one row behind this guy to the right and my job is just i'm going to sit there and pray And then I listen to everything that happens. And then when we take a break, I give my assessment to the the exorcist. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And so just before the exorcism starts, the priest asks, he calls Satan before the tribunal of God. And he said, if you do that as the exorcist, Satan has to obey. So Satan himself shows up at the exorcism. Then he asked the devil what right he has to to possess this person. And he said that he was possessing him through pornography, porn addiction, heavy metal music, and excessive masturbation. Mm. And then they had their words and him telling Satan that the boy has renounced him and he has no right to be there. And then Satan's head snaps to the right and he looks at me and said, Zachary King is not welcome here. He's a liar and a, and a traitor. And the exorcist grabbed a pitcher of holy water and doused him with the entire pitcher. And yelled, "Silence! you will only talk to me. And this guy let out a howl and a scream that a heavy metal rock star would have been proud of. Like it was loud. I'm sure people outside heard it and it lasted about three minutes.
0: Jeez. That's that with one breath, that's long, one
4: breath,
3: one breath. And then when he stopped, Satan was gone and it was back to being this kid. And you know, we had like six or seven demons to work on. Oof. And then at the first break, which was about four hours later, (coughs) we went into a side room and it was me and three priests. And the first priest to come in the room said that totally gave you street cred when Satan turned and told you that. (laughs) And the, the exorcist agreed. He goes, that was truly street cred for you.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. Well, I'll wrap this up. We can talk a little bit off the air. And uh, again, thank you so much for for taking time out of your day to to talk to me and my audience. And yes, it it was a lot of fun. Uh, So on that note, I will sign off. And to my listeners, remember, think for yourself.
2: shit what you read in the covenant is cap i was bred by the government fact check every head when it come to this upside down system had enough of it another sapien that's on the globe lost hold looking for the direction but don't nobody know the only bit of insight that they ever sold me i've been start to find out doesn't really hold every highfalutin piece of shit hidden in a high high motives to align goals Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole Someone gotta die, they don't care They itemize souls Tit jobs from Botox to lipos light, light bulbs in my head of where I might go I'm on a tightrope, walking the edge And I've been wondering if anyone loves me Shit And I've been wondering if anyone loves me yeah. Fuck. And I've been wondering if I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They normalize a real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thought's sick, i take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I want a soul search, find a place to bring in light But I can't cause... I'm batshit what you read in the covenant It's CAP, you were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this Upside down system had enough of it We shit. what we read in the covenant It's CAP, we were fed by the government fact check every head when it come to this upside down system had enough of it i want the power to shake shit and shift shape tap into pineal eye without a mistake we have the power to live right and get straight but they found a way to remove this they bitch made hey I'm fucking bad shit, and it's your fucking fault. It's their fault. Straight up, I'm done. I'm batshit what you read in the covenant. It's cap. you were fed by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Enough of it. Enough of it.
3: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.